by the way. Ching, ching, Cheers. ching. Lovely Sunday pint. Now explain yourself. Mm-hmm. What, my voice? Yeah. I can't really, honestly. Explain it. Well, I can. It's Arctangent's fault, isn't it? What? We're, we were both feeling a bit... We had the uh, the festival flu. Yeah. Um, I went out for a few drinks last night, and I mean a few drinks. I was uh, unusually well behaved. Woke up and I just didn't really have a voice. You you sound like Neville Bamshoot's wife to make a very obscure Mighty Boosh reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say I, I really hope you weren't going to put it down purely to Arctangent Tangent because I was thinking oh yeah all those instrumental songs you had to sing along to. <laughs> But yeah, no, you sound uh, you sound gruff and yeah, quite gruff and husky. You can maybe work it to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, listeners, let this, me know what you think about this, my new voice. <laughs> if you like it more, let, you, let us know. You've got the face for radio. No, you've got the voice. <laughs> true, true. Well, we should probably do an introduction, shouldn't we? Yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the Bitchin Review. Uh, I'm Danny Randon. I'm the I'm the host. Uh, if you will, and and he is my bumbling uh, <laughs> assistant, my co-host, if you will, the 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 top shagger in music podcasting, the uh, <laughs> the, the the hunk with the husk. Oh, there we go. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brad Thorne, how are you doing, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm good. But apart from the obvious the mm. voice, but other than that, I'm good. I'm really good. We're having a lovely Sunday pint. We're back at Brewdog yeah. in Southampton. Yeah. We've both gone for the. Cybernaut, mm-hmm. uh, New England IPA. Really fruity, refreshing. Yes, very, yeah. very juicy, mm. um, which I need because mm. it's fucking sweltering today. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it sounds like you've had a lovely weekend so far. Yeah. We've, yeah, well, we've both probably had a lovely weekend because we're not at fucking Reading. <laughs> um, although I do kind of want to go see Foo Fighters. Yeah. I feel like that's the only thing I'm really missing out on. Oh, this that main weekend. stage is quite good today. I yeah, think. Milk Teeth, Frank Carter. Yeah. Um, well, obviously the rattlesnakes as well. It's not just in a solo set. Foo Fighters. Oh, and Little Uzi Vert pulled out, oh. so that made the Sunday main stage lineup even better. And Shikari on there as well. Aren't oh there, shit! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a bad day. But we're not here to talk about uh, Reading. No. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the previous weekend that we just had, and we've only literally just about recovered from. Yeah. Um, and that was Bitch and Brew's first ever trip to Arctangent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a great weekend, wasn't it? Really it? Let's was. just get that out of the way first. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, certainly by the end of the weekend, um, it was a bit of a slog <laughs> uh, for reasons that we will go into over the course of this podcast. But yeah. what we're mainly here to do is talk about all the brilliant bands from the world of alternative or even like you know experimental technical heavy progressive music that we saw over the weekend we saw about 35 bands if i can recall yeah about that yeah um before we go into that obviously it was both of our first time at at arc tangent Mm -hmm. getting onto the site what was the how would you kind of describe the vibes because it's on fernhill farm just outside of bristol and it really is in the middle of pissing nowhere you thought that like 2000 trees which is its sibling festival was secluded you haven't seen anything until you've seen arc tangent yeah yeah it's very very rural isn't it and Mm. um you know we've, we've always said about trees about how you go there and you feel like you're part of something you don't just feel like making up the numbers at a massive festival I think that's even more the case at Arctangent mm. it's that little bit smaller isn't it and yeah it just feels like a nice community on this little farm I what I really love about uh, and this is something we'll go into over the course of the review I think um, 
is that the the sound at Arc Tangent is amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, there was bad sound on a single stage uh, persistently. No. If there were any sound issues, they were kind of ironed out pretty quickly. Yeah. And would only affect maybe like one band at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also, uh, all of the stages are um, under a tent. Yeah. So the main stage, especially, is so much better than the 2000 Trees main stage. I would yeah. actually love it if Trees followed suit and put their main stage under a tent like that. Yeah. But yeah, they all have brilliant sound. And I also thought that for the most part, um, the bands all got a decent amount of time on stage. Yeah, that was a thing. And they also they also got I didn't see a single band that got a bad crowd at any point. No, everybody showed up. Yeah, you exactly. know, even when you've got bands playing the music starts about eleven AM, doesn't it? Which it is starts super early. Quite early, yeah. Mm. And everyone was up and out and and ready for it, which is really great. It strikes me as the sort of festival where, you know, tree, Trees is, is pretty good for it as well with yeah. people turning up to the sets, but there have been moments where I've been like, oh, this tent could be a little bit fuller. Yeah. Uh, though that, like, even the main stage tent was full, like, early on in yeah. the day. Um, in some cases, you could barely get a place in that tent, certainly yeah. towards the end of each day. Um, as you would as you would probably expect but even early on the band's got a really good crowd and also yeah they got a good set time as well it, it kind of you know you kind of need that as well when yeah. when the average song length for an, <laughs> for an arc tangent band is about 47 minutes yeah. um, but I thought that was really cool as well and it doesn't strike me as a sort of festival where people are just going to sort of sit in their tents and wait for the silent disco no, if you're going you're going for the music and you're going for a lot of it as well yeah. so um, yeah we both had very full days across the weekend I was obviously doing some chats backstage mm-hmm. for an upcoming special which is coming very very soon I do apologise for the wait I've been sort of ta- taking a week yeah, to yeah. settle back into work settle from the rotten cold that I have or had at least <laughs> yeah. because of the bastard rain at ATG because <laughs> um, that was one thing that was, uh, yeah, that was a challenge, quite, quite unpleasant yeah. uh, certainly on the Friday um, so yeah, so let's get into it. Um, so we got there nice and early. We we got our um, we pitched our tents up. We we got erect. <laughs> um, you got erect quicker than I did again. Yeah. yeah. I, I had no help with my erection. No, yours is slightly larger though. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Like, than, than like mine, it's worth so. the weight. Yeah. 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 You got You got to let it grow. <laughs> um, that got weird. But the first band we both saw on the Thursday at Arc Tangent was Cult Dreams yeah oh, we, we, so I say that we caught the last few songs of yeah set, we did because yeah. we were a little bit late on site because mm-hmm. I got us lost <laughs> it's the middle of fucking yeah. Somerset what can you say <laughs> yeah. um, and not even a smell of wild garlic to, to sort of guide <laughs> me along you on yeah <laughs> it's a shame uh, so yeah we both saw Cult Dreams we yeah. sort of caught the last few songs of their set and I'd yeah. say it was a pretty awesome way to start the day wasn't it definitely yeah um, I've actually never caught them live before. Oh, really? Um, that was your first time? Yeah, I was a massive fan of Seafoam, the first album. Mm. Um, we are going to be talking about the new album yeah. soon, so let's not give too many spoilers. <laughs> um, it's good, isn't it? it? It's good. Those songs are good. Um, I'm not saying anything okay. at this point. <laughs> um, okay, that was a slight spoiler. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Lucinda's great. Mm. Super kind of angsty vocals live. Yeah, um, she's really kind of perfected that now at this point yeah um she's also you know carries those kind of ethereal sort of post-punk melodies that she 
Yeah, yeah, Lucinda has absolutely nailed those guitar tones. It does sit yeah. somewhere between ethereal and, and very beautiful and then just totally fuzzed out of it. They've always impressed me with their sheer volume and the, this time round, they kind of uh, brought a little bit more of that ethereal tone that, uh, yeah. you know, we will be discussing a little bit further yeah. on the next proper episode of the Bitchin' Review. It's also great to hear them ending on We Never Rest, yeah. which is okay. already a highlight of their set. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. And I mean, I, um, you know, going into OTG, there's a couple of bands we're going to talk about that I thought were maybe slightly left field bookings for the festival. And actually, after watching them in every case, yeah. you know, Cold Dreams included, I was like, oh no, they, they do fit right in here. Yeah, there's another band that we're going to be talking about that, play on the, that played on the Saturday. Yes. That I think is um, a really excellent example of OTG expanding its booking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, if Cold Dream's massive guitars yeah. uh, wasn't enough to kind of wake us up on the Thursday, I'll tell you what was, <laughs> Ithaca. Yeah. Uh, they were on the PX3 stage, weren't they? Um, yeah. Which is the smallest stage of the festival. It's kind yeah. of, if you've been to Trees, uh, it's essentially what the new stage is. Yeah. Um, but I'd say it's probably about the size of the Axiom, when you yeah. think about it. I'd... I'd I'm not sure, really. Anyway, it's the smallest <laughs> stage of the site, yeah. the PX3, but by no means did they get a small crowd. No, not at all. We, we both really, really liked The Language of Injury, which is the album they put out at the start of the year, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I was really excited to see some of those songs live at last. I, I missed them on their last tour. Did you? You didn't catch that tour no, either, I did you? No, I mean, they were absolute savagery, weren't they? Really, really great. Um, super tight band those kind of off-kilter guitar sounds we spoke about in the album are replicated perfectly mm. live and you're right they are totally savage um jamila as well it was such a presence yeah of that band I think. yeah she's she's so fierce she's so sort of you know larger than life i i would say that, that like atg by and large did have great sound yeah um jamila's mic could have really done with turning up for those yeah. more sort of melodic moments that she brings out mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the live set um a lot of the heavier sets across the weekend were really kind of bleak and and overwhelming at times yeah this was just fun they looked like they were having the time of their lives they really did yeah they really did um, people brought along some confetti cannons, didn't they? And yes, yeah, exactly. They yeah. got the memo at long <laughs> yeah. last. Um, yeah, and they kind of they went off along with the crowd yeah, uh, yeah. when they finished on Impulse Crush. Yeah. Um, and then you cracked me up by telling me what you thought the guitars sounded like on that, on what I think is possibly the breakdown of the year yeah. on Impulse Crush. <laughs> and then you you full on like I was it full on got me when you said. That their guitars sounded like photocopiers live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I didn't have such a bad throat, I'd, I'd do the noise, but I can't do it right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I, can't, I wouldn't be able to do it justice. <laughs> so after Ithaca, I, be- I disappeared backstage uh, for a little bit to do some interviews, mm-hmm. um, and you went to go and see Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard. Yeah. I was gutted to miss this set. Well, with a name like that, I was not going to miss them. What um, stage were they playing? The one that uh, Cult Dreams played. Oh, the Bixler. The Bixler, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the stage name's just right over my head. All no, no, because um, they had the arc stage, which was the main stage. Yes. And then you kind of had two second stages. I can't really differentiate which one is bigger than the other. No, I can either. Which is the, yo- we're going to call it Yokai or Yokai? Yokai. Yokai and the Bixler stage, yeah. which is where you saw Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard. Yes. I really like their album, so tell yeah. me about them live. Um... Yeah, so the, you're right, the album's really good. They, um, they're like a doomy stoner metal band, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they sounded 
huge. Uh, mammoth by name, mammoth by nature, really. The <laughs> massive lumbering guitar sound. Um, the vocals are, are kind of otherworldly and ethereal. They kind of glide over the top of this really heavy mm. soundscape. Um, there's also kind of these like John Carpenter-esque synths as well that come in and out. Ooh. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Not something I expected to hear when I walked into that tent. It, it, is it kind of um, is it kind of amplified from how because the, there are synths on that record. Yeah. It's quite a good synth presence really, but is that kind of amplified a little bit? In the uh, live set, yeah, it's, it's sort of incorporated. I'd say just as much, but I actually hadn't listened to the album prior. Oh right, to going. Yeah. I've been listening to it since. Actually, oh right, okay. Uh, because I was really, really impressed by this. I think if I had a criticism, it would be to um, my kind of uninitiated ears. It, it started to sound quite samey. Okay. Uh, it was very one-paced. Right. Um, but from a Doomstone metal band, that's kind of what you want, isn't it? And yeah, it's kind exactly. of what you expect. No, you want them to bust out the two-step. <laughs> um, but no, I thought this was really, really great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, it kind of leads quite nicely onto a band that we did both see. Um, yeah. This was the first band that I saw on the ARC stage, the main stage, if you will, um, and something of a, of a favourite among the ARC tangent crowd. They they drew a massive audience. Yeah. Um, Bosk. Yes. Um, so this was the first of many bands of this ilk who walked out onto the main stage this weekend and just sounded massive. Yeah, it's some of the best sound I've heard at a festival ever. It I really is. That, yeah, it's incredible. And Bosk made full use of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. I also thought it was quite excellent that, uh, you know, they kind of went down the, uh, you know, non-crowd-pleaser uh, route of playing, a, of opening with a 16-minute song. Yeah. I thought that was excellent. But yeah, like you say, you know, those big, bonged-out grooves really demand an excellent sound. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of, they, you know, they did sound massive and, and really sort of um, monstrous in places, but they also really held the crowd captive with their quieter moments. Yeah. You know, you would have, like, a five-minute delicate post-rocky almost shoegazy passage and the crowd were just so locked into it yeah it was an incredibly uh, mesmerising set I'm saying you're right captivating and their sound is really dynamic there's quite Mm. a lot going on um, towards the end, they sort of incorporated uh, vocals, quite sparse, yeah. like black metal vocals. It, it, is, it is, is kind of that way on the records as yeah, well. So, yeah. you know, the vocals are very sparse. Yeah, it's just a really nice textured sound that they have. Oh. Yeah, it was absolutely great. Yeah, it was also really cool to see them make use of the screen. Yeah. Because there was a massive screen on the Art Tangent stage. A lot of bands did use it. Yeah. Some bands didn't, where I think they really should have. Yeah. Uh, even if it was just to show their logo, you know. Um, and yeah they made full use of it even if some of the visuals were a little bit sort of Windows XP screensaver PlayStation 2 yeah (laughs) can you imagine if you had that like it's the weird cube city when you boot up a PlayStation 2 you just had that on the loop during your during (laughs) your 45 minute post rock odyssey (laughs) what I would like is actually like the uh, the weird sort of shape-shifting ball that sort of went around the screen and it would go from like a cube to like several spheres yeah. and then it come out spiky. You know the one I yeah, mean, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean, yeah. It bounces around. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe... Yeah. <laughs> or like the DVD, the DVD <laughs> yeah. standby screen with just the DVD video logo just sort of darting from corner to corner. 
and changing colour. Yeah. And then when it hits precisely a corner and changes colour, the crowd just starts throwing their pints everywhere, <laughs> going fucking nuts for it. Um, yeah. But Bosk were great, yeah, weren't they? they? Were, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really stoked to see that we will finally be getting the, the follow-up to Audio Noir yeah. in 2020. Mm-hmm. They've actually just started going into the studio now for it. Very so excited. I would assume it's coming out next year. You think so, yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Bosk, keep an eye out for them. Uh, now, then I had to go backstage again to do my thing. Yeah. Um, and the curse got me again, Brad. Yeah. I fucking missed Conjurer again. Uh, How is this happening? I don't know. It's some, Something's going on. Mm. It's a conspiracy. I'm not pointing fingers, but something's yeah. going on here. I know. Yeah. Bra- Brady's probably going to each publicist and just going, you know, just like, get rid of him while we're on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, We've spoken a lot now yeah. about how good Conjurer are on Yeah, record. so this is maybe like a, a very quick review. Yeah, of yeah, and live. Um, this was no exception. Um, they're such a well-oiled machine. They're such a cohesive unit live. Mm. They're obviously so heavy. Um, you know, and, and definitely one of the heavier acts on the lineup. But the... Um, the stage was overflowing. The stage was so full. I, I think I was quite surprised to see him on the PX3 stage. To be honest, yeah. there are a few bands of this ilk that I was like, "Oh, they could have maybe done better on the Yokai, Yokai or Bixler stage." Yeah, you know? definitely. I think they could have definitely done with a with a bigger stage. But I have no doubt they're going to come back. Big future ahead of them. Definitely, really, I caught yeah. the very end of Hadal, which is the end of the last track on the album. They're finishing mm-hmm. the set with it now, and it just looked like it was kicking off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually feel a little bit more compelled to travel up to the London night of their UK tour in yeah, October. We might have to do that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, not the first time we'll be chatting about Conjurer yeah. during this review. Yeah. In fact, it leads us quite nicely onto the band that we saw next. Yeah. Uh, another Holy Royal Records band, Merle. Yes. Um, we obviously spoke about Merle and how brilliant they are live on the 2000 Trees review. Yeah. Um, and this was very much that set of 2000 Trees, but multiplied to the nth degree yeah it knocked in it every way for me i think yeah that it was, was incredible. incredible um jinx <laughs> now we can't talk um you know kim was was he's so kind of intense and larger than life isn't he mm. that band um a lot of theatrical elements to the way he performs yeah uh sort of gesticulating quite a lot but yeah. you know making good use of the mic stand and uh, but then you know he's kind of getting right in the crowd as well it's quite uh, unusual I think for that kind of black metal that they yeah. play to have a frontman who is jumping in the crowd and, and stuff but, it, but it's great yeah yeah he's definitely taken his, um, his origins in the, in the hardcore and death metal scenes yeah uh, and applying it to that, that yeah. kind of icy sound yeah and then uh, towards the end of the set uh, Brady from Conjurer joins them Fucking! Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't move Just for Brady. Weaselled his way in. I know. Speaking of vocals, the crowd was singing along to every single bloody word during Mel's set, which was yeah. amazing to see. Yeah. Um, and it almost felt like heavier in places. I didn't think they could get heavier than they did at Trees, but they played Ligament from uh, yeah. from George, which is sort of the I. They're, they're kind of their biggest um, sort of venture into really icy black and death territories. Yeah. Um, and I really didn't think that was possible for them to go heavier, but it was brilliant. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was amazing. Um, so yeah, Merle and um, uh, yeah, Merle. <laughs> they, they, they were just excellent. Yeah, they and, were. Uh, and we saw Kim 
during Coheed yeah. and Cambria set, he let me have some of his uh, some of his donuts, <laughs> which was fantastic. Yeah. Lovely bloke, isn't yeah, he? really nice, really man. genuine guy. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they came over just just from just for our ATG. Yeah. before flying back to Denmark the next day. And are we glad they did? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so after that, um, one of the, probably one of the most anticipated acts of the weekend. I'd say so, yeah. Um, Zeal and Arda. Yeah. Uh, they played on the ARC stage. Yeah. I don't remember where they played last year. I, I wasn't there personally, no. but they were definitely backed by popular demand. Yeah. Um, Stranger Fruit has actually definitely been a grower for me yeah it's definitely overtaken the debut now i think for me yeah it has for me too not yeah. not in enough time for it to have made its way into my top 20 of the year last year i'm actually kind of regretting the fact that mm. i didn't give it enough time yeah um last year when it came out i i really think if there was any chance of what zealanada do becoming gimmicky in any way yeah that time has thankfully been and gone yeah they're kind of showing at this point that they are the real deal i think at first there were maybe some doubters going what black metal mixed with delta blues and chain gang chanting that's that's surely a little bit sort of hokey and gimmicky isn't it not a fucking chance at this point they were highly anticipated for a reason yeah they were fucking brilliant i thought so yeah um they were Primal, like Manuel's vocals. Uh, another thing which got better moving on from Devil Is Fine to yeah. Stranger Fruit, his vocals definitely improved. And live, they just have a little bit more of a primal and almost menacing edge to them, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, but the band are just so effortlessly cool at the same time. Yeah, definitely. The uh, as you say, the atmosphere in that tent, which I mean, for such a big tent and big stage, is no mean feat to make the atmosphere fill the whole thing and be so yeah. palpable yeah. as well. Um, it was um, it's maybe a bit of a cliche to say so at this point, but it was almost a bit like a kind of a, a gathering or like a, an experience, like a, like a religious experience. Yeah, especially when he played, because the Stranger Fruit material really stood out, you know, when he played yeah. Row Row and uh, Servants, I think is probably the key example of what you mean with that kind of that worshipping element. Yeah. It, it did feel like a, a sort of a grand uh, sort of black metal sermon yeah. in a way. Um, and the way sort of Manuel commanded that crowd is possibly even more uh, of, a, of a sort of moment of worship than another band uh, over the weekend that we'll speak about in a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember reading early reviews saying that the band possibly weren't the tightest that they could have been. They've definitely done their homework at this point. This was my first time seeing Zulanada. It's taken me so long to actually see them live. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they are on the same level as Manuel now at this point in terms of yeah. their skill. Yeah. And, um, you know, that said, the one, the one thing that did kind of take me out of my, my state of awe, um, and I think I said this to you, his backing vocalists are amazing. But I don't want to when they're when they're singing. I don't want to see them doing hokey kind of rock dancing. Yeah, they were kind of banging their heads and throwing the horns and stuff. And at one point, it was just like this is this is a little bit corny. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a sort of breaks from the image that they have. It does on a stage, which is a very cool, striking, you know, presence. Yeah, that they have on stage. They do so much by doing so little as yeah, well. Yeah, the crowd under- interaction. So minimal, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they spoke once. Yeah. Uh, and that was literally just to say, hey, Wizzy Leonardo, thank you for coming out. This is amazing. It's so good to be back, but we're not going to speak very much. So, yeah. you know, just enjoy this 
horrendous noise. Which we did. We did very much. They set the bar performance-wise just by playing really, really fucking well. Yeah. One of the sets of the day for me, hands down. Um... Next, we went to see Racket Cannon. Yeah. This this was I went to I chose to see Racket Cannon uh, at the last minute yeah. over Polyphia, yes. um, and I think I was purely swayed by word of mouth. Yeah, me following too. their 2003 set, which I I didn't catch. I don't know if you did either. No, I didn't. I've only seen Racket Cannon once before, and that was opening for Heck at the Joiners. Yeah. Wow. Um, but they only played as a three piece because their singer, um, whose name I don't have written no, down um, but their singer was ill that day so oh. the keyboardist took on vocals and oh. they performed as a three piece so I really had to see the full Racket Cannon live experience now Yeah, I've had a week to sit on this set and I <laughs> still don't know what to make of it, it left me completely fucking bewildered yeah me too, my, my notes uh, I'll reflect that as well, it was so unusual Yeah, um, but in a really great captivating way I think to try and explain what they what they do, if anyone's not familiar with them, they play kind of angular, off kilter math rock, I suppose. I'd say yeah. There's bits Metallic, of math rock. There's math a little rock. bit of industrial in it yeah. as well. Some 90s alternative, but more yeah. in the sort of. Um, I know a big point of comparison that people have made, and I, I can't really stand by this because I'm not I've not really gone in on it before. Is Mr. Bungle and bands like that? Yeah, I think there's um there's definitely a bit of Mike Patton in the vocalist. I think tons of Patton. Yeah, 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 which is no bad thing. I really loved how prominent and heavy the synths were during this yeah. set. Um, I mean the synth player was just kind of lurching violently yeah. back and forth over the keyboard, which yeah. was awesome. Um, the singer was crowd surfing on his front quite often but just in the most nonchalant way you know when singers get in the crowd and they crowd surf they're getting in the audience's faces and they're kind of you know writhing around on the crowd and he literally just sort of almost sailed out in the front on on, yeah Um, (laughs) um... and just did it very nonchalantly um it's definitely time for a deep dive on Racket Cannon's discography. I think, so, yeah. I think we might need to do their album on the next sort of catch-up episode yeah, that we definitely. do. It came out early this year, but I, I need to do that just on account of how brilliant and unpredictable this live set was. Yeah, I think they're one of the most kind of original and sort of unusual bands yeah. around at the moment. Their live show is just absolutely riotous as well. The crowd was really yeah. you know, going for it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's the Arctangent crowd. Yeah. They seem to be top shaggers. <laughs> um, after that, we went to go and see Pine. Yeah, a change of pace, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> for sure. Um, playing songs exclusively from Loss, Yeah. Uh, their debut album. You had it in your top 20 albums of the year last yeah, year. I, did, I very yeah. much liked it as well. Yeah. Uh, but they were playing it with an expanded string section. Yeah. So it was uh, two violins and a cello, yes. if I can recall. There might have been a viola, but yeah. Uh, anyway, they had three string players with them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the sort of core uh, three members of the band as well. Yeah. Um, this is this kind of links into how people look at Art Tangent as the kind of road burn of the UK. Yeah. With these special curated sets. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt very special indeed. I think so, yeah. Was it your first time seeing Pine? It was, yeah. So in terms of the kind of expanded string section, I can't compare that to uh, a normal live set from them. But, no. Um, oh, it was just incredible. They they replicated what I love so much about that album, which is the atmosphere, you know, just that, that just envelops you. And mm. um, The instrumentation's incredible. 
and it's yeah, it's that sense of kind of dread that they have yeah. in in the sound that they're, they're doing. Yeah. I think you know the the strings added a whole other element of heaviness, yeah. which you wouldn't necessarily expect uh, from a string section. Yeah. To, to the to the to the sort of post post metal, would you say? Yeah, po- sort of metallic post rock, I guess. Yeah, I it's, guess so. Yeah. Um, you know, because there were moments where like the strings were so kind of delicate and somber. Yeah. Then they were really shrill. Yeah. And kind of got under your skin. It's an unsettling sound that they that mm. they have. And then they just kind of helped the band sound titanic. Yeah, really. it really did. It sounded colossal. Yeah. It was actually, I must admit, it was a little bit overwhelming yeah. in places, I would say. Yeah, which I think is absolutely the intention. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's great. You can't see sets like that, you know, at festivals and all the time. So I, I would like them to do it again. Yeah. I'd very much like to do it them to do it again but I'd imagine if we see them do it again it would be with some new songs as well yeah um, it feels like they're kind of wrapping up on the on the cycle for Lost Now except they are going on tour with Blanket in I want to say October oh yeah they're coming um, to our neck of the woods they are coming to yeah. it and I will be there yeah. for sure yeah. um, so we, we actually left their set a little bit early because yeah. I wanted to go and see a bit of Carpenter Brew yeah um, now I definitely can't say it was anything nearly as profound as Pine. They were playing the arc stage, I should say, sort of sub-headlining. Yeah. But what I can say is Carpenter Brute set was a total sensory overload. Yeah. Um, as a production, it was stunning. Yeah. There were... I, I was particularly impressed to see a lot of the synths played live. Obviously, if you don't really know about Carpenter Brute, they're part of that synthwave movement. Yeah. Um, sort of... It's very 80s in yeah. places. Uh, I mean, they're called Carpenter Brute. You were saying about the John Carpenter since with Mammothweed yeah. a moment ago. Um, but also, they have a live drummer and guitarist. Yeah. Which I, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to be quite as prominent in the set. Or you think like the guitar would be really low down in the mix and the drum would be like a drum machine. Yeah. But it really made their. Um, I, I don't think they necessarily needed to, their place to be justified there. But I think they definitely got a lot of people on board. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't the way just they a DJ set, which no, I can't exactly. imagine would have gone down. Not as well. well. Um, no. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really fun. Um, they made, I think, perhaps the best use of that screen you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking uh, brilliant. weekend with these kind of horror movie, but also kind of softcore pornographic yeah. images. It was a bit um, like being at a fucking Rob Zombie show yeah. in places, the way he just shows like tits on the screen. Yeah. Um, Did you know all of those visuals are, are homemade? Yeah, I was reading about this, which is just amazing. I thought they were literally just like 80s so did I, like so. shit B-movie horror that he was yeah. kind of like, there were definite things where it's definitely his own visuals like he had the leather teeth uh, yeah. The sort of the woman from the leather teeth album cover up on the front at times, and he had like um, the sort of certificate, um, uh, the certificate graphics, I guess you yeah. could say, for well, like this is rated X for extremely loud. Yeah, I fucking yeah. love that. Yeah, all that stuff's great. Um, covering Maniac, the song from Flashdance. Yeah, well. Michael Sembello. That is um, one of the last things I expected to hear. At Art weekend. Tangent, yeah. for sure, you know. Yeah. He's definitely got, you know, Carpenter Brew have definitely got some fucking tars to close their set yeah. on that. And, um, yeah, they have. And um, the reaction, they, they seem to go down so well. It was so over the top, but the crowd went nuts yeah. for it. I'd love to see I, Carpenter I, Brew at I went nuts for it, yeah, to be fair. Did, yeah. <laughs> um, 
it was a great festival, just a great festival set that was. Do you think that sort of thing could translate well at something like 2000 Trees? I think so. Yeah. I think get them in the cave at 2000 Trees. Headline in the cave. Yeah. That'd be fucking brilliant. Yeah. If you are listening, James, sort it out. Yeah. Um, then we move on. I mean, wow, this was quite the, the change of uh, change of mood. <laughs> yeah. um, I think for a lot of people, probably the unofficial headliners of the night. It yeah. felt more like the headliners for me, to be honest. Yeah. We will talk about Coheed and Cambria in a bit, who were the actual headliners. But for me, this was kind of like the headline set of the... They were headlining the Yokai stage and the band of Daughters. Yes. Uh, now, what we were saying about Zeal and Arda being quite an anticipated band, it felt like the anticipation was sky high for Daughters. I think the single most anticipated act of the weekend, I think from people that I spoke to, yeah, pretty unanimous. Certainly since they've kind of had this wonderful resurgence, you know, reuniting and putting out that brilliant record, um, You Won't Get What You Want last year, Yeah, um, which I keep going back to yeah. with a sort of um, a, a, a morbid curiosity, yeah. almost, you know, just to kind of torment myself. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, um, it clicks a little bit more every single time. That it really does. They yeah. leaned very heavily on it. I I don't know if they played anything that wasn't from it, did they? I'm I, totally I'm not, unfamiliar with it. Yeah, their... I'm not massively familiar with their kind of earlier material. It certainly didn't sound like they'd done any of the like grindcore era stuff. So no. if they were doing anything, I'd imagine it could have come from the self-titled, yeah. which again is an album I'm not massively okay with. Me neither. Um, where to start with this? I mean... Uh, their vocalist, incredible yeah. presence, this kind of terrifying, part kind of hardcore vocalist, part kind of Nick Cave, yeah, part something else entirely. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, I mean, from the off, the, the power of personality coming off that stage was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you say about Alex, Alexis Marshall is yes. the front man's name. He does have a touch of the sort of young Nick Cave about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he's got a touch of the, um, well, God, I don't really know, to be honest. Like early Greg Pichato <laughs> yeah, from Dillinger with def- his sort of onstage antics. Definitely, yeah. Um, and maybe even like a touch of the Gigi Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, Nick Sadler as well, the guitarist. I found myself, I couldn't get my eyes off him at times. Yeah. He was the guitarist sort of to Alexis's left. Yes. So on the side on the side that we were stood mm-hmm. um, you know he was kind of hip shaking and grinding a lot and they were doing very suggestive motions with his tongue <laughs> yeah. almost like a sort of weird post-hardcore Gene Simmons yeah. um, I, I mean they were every bit as horrifying and magnetic and flamboyant yeah. as I could have really hoped for them to be um, like we said about Alexis, he's a very sort of combustible personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading up about the sort of things that he does at shows, I do feel like we've got a more subdued version yeah. of what he has been known to do in the past. Yeah. He was still like at times getting the whip out and just flogging himself in the back yeah. uh, and sort of climbing all over the audience down the front. But I guess, you know, um, I guess it's actually quite good that he did give a bit more of a subdued performance because... I think people were probably expecting him, I don't know, to maybe do a Greg Pachato and yeah. shit in the middle of the stage or, like, you know, do a Gigi Allen and shove a banana up his ass. <laughs> I don't know. But and they're a band that, um, excuse the pun, but never give people what they want, do they? I think yeah, that's part yeah. of their thing, you know, you won't get what you want from them. Um, you know, at, at times the guitars were doing things that my tiny brain 
<laughs> could not comprehend. Yeah. And, um, you're right, it was uh, quite upsetting and overbearing at times, <laughs> yeah. but in the best way. I, um, you know, what you're saying about the guitars, on a, on a musical level, it's very sort of off-kilter and yeah. abrasive, but and, and very, very intense. But yeah. you do approach it with the sort of, like I said earlier, that morbid curiosity, that oh, yeah. almost like, almost masochistic fascination yeah, at just times, couldn't you know? Take, couldn't take their eyes off. The, the I, I, I think it's somehow, they, they have a danceability to some of their songs. Yeah, definitely. They started the set on The Reason They Hate Me, which has that garage rock bounce to it. Yep. Um, and they played less sex off the record as well, which is it's really slick and kind of sleazy. Um, yeah, this this was phenomenal. And like I was saying earlier about that kind of combustible on-stage personality, it's I have a lot of respect for how self-aware they are as well, because they mm-hmm. just kind of kept you hanging on a on a kind of knife edge, yeah. and just kind of you you really didn't know what to expect. And I didn't want to look away for a single second. Yeah, they were truly one of the bands of the weekend for me 100% Um, so after that (laughs) um, we kind of walked away from the yokai stage in a little bit of a daze and stumbled over to the the arc stage and caught the sort of last two well the the sort of the second two thirds of um, of Coheed and Cambria's set yeah Um, I think I want to say from the start now you're a little bit more of a Coheed fan than I am right but that's not to so. say that you're like a die hard no they've fan. got quite a uh, intimidating back catalogue I mm. feel there's a lot to go in on and yeah. I, I'm not okay with all of it um, the stuff I like from them I, I really really like yeah know? The Colour Before The Sun which came out a few years ago is a fantastic album it is. and of course everyone loves Good Apollo I'm Burning Vo- Volume 1 is it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, fear through the eyes of something. Madness, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Through, through. It's a long title. <laughs> that, that that one with ten speed on it, which they didn't play, no. which was stupid. Um, um, they also didn't play anything from the Color Before the Sun. I don't think. I right? know, not which, even uh, like you've got Spirit Kid or Atlas no, or anything like that. No. And that could have gone down an absolute storm, I reckon. Yeah, I mean. What did you think when I first saw Cohen and Cambria headlining? I, I know people had a lot to say about Meshuggah headlining, um, but I couldn't quite... I was surprised to not see not that many people kicking off about Cohen and Cambria headlining because they are, to my mind, a lot more um, poppy, I think, and a lot more sort of classic rock than I associate with that. I tangent. feel like there is still a good measure of prog, though, to I kind think of I was. Um, I was shut up when I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, they have got a lot of progressive elements. I would say they sounded magnificent. Again, going back to that brilliant sound. Yeah, Um, they really did. And and Claudio Sanchez as a vocalist and as a guitarist is kind of note perfect. Yeah. Really is. Um, But... And, and you know I can't I can't let how I how I felt about this set kind of ever overshadow their musical proficiency yeah especially paired up with those those cinematic visuals yeah that really looked sort of studio quality yeah they did yeah. Um, they leaned quite heavily on their latest album the unheavily creatures which um, it, it was really quite telling how much more responsive the crowd was to the songs from Good Apollo Volume 1 or like him keeping secrets of Silent Earth yeah A Favour House Atlantic as well was yeah. A massive one, yeah The Suffering when they played The Suffering and there was yeah. that opening riff that, riff 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 <laughs> that got a, got a mammoth pop and yeah. it was that was kind of a real highlight of the set for me yeah 
the choruses didn't really knock the breath out of my lungs like I really wanted them to, I'm not going to lie. I don't know whether it was just because I come from that total Stone Cold stunner that was the daughter's set. Yeah. Um, but it, I felt like it kind of stayed on one level and I was waiting for them to really kind of lift me. Yeah. And I, I didn't quite get that. I feel the same. And I think there were stretches of the set where they were leaning on newer material that, you know, were... Certainly not boring, but you know, they weren't quite as, yeah. I wasn't quite as engaged with it. No. All the way through. Um, but when they were good, they were great. I mean, they, they have got some serious bangers yeah. in their arsenal. And that was the thing as well, I was, I was going to say this earlier, you go to a festival like 2000 Trees and you go there for the bangers, right? Yeah. Coheed and Cambria is the only one of those three headliners we saw over the week, we saw, you know, various bits of over the weekend. Yeah. That, I could see at 2000 Trees as well. Yeah. I couldn't see Battles at 2000 Trees. I definitely yeah. couldn't see Sugar yeah. at 2000 Trees. Um, but, you know, you go to 2000 Trees for kind of the bangers and the kind of moments of people's sets. Yeah. Whereas I think you go to Art Tangent to kind of really admire the set as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just awe, be in awe at the art of, of just performance, whether that's musically or visually or in any other way at yeah. all. I think that's kind of what I really loved about Arc Tangent from the off. Um, so yeah, they kind of brought Thursday to an end. Yeah. We were so shattered that we didn't even stick around for the silent disco that night. No. And we just kind of went, oh yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Um, that worked out well, didn't yeah, it? A little yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, so Friday. Yeah. Um, now, Friday was a bit of a weird day, wasn't it? It was a strange day. I mean, to begin with, I didn't come out of my tent for quite a while in the morning because yeah. I could hear what was going on outside, which... The the heavens fucking it opening. sounded like the end of the world from inside uh, it was tent. So, uh, if you haven't heard at this point, the rain at <laughs> Arc Tangent on the Friday, I mean, it was 14 hours straight, wasn't it? It yeah. was biblical. Yeah. Uh, silly levels of rain um, and I think it kind of put me in a bit of a foul mood yeah. o- over the course of the day and as a result through through the kind of rest of the weekend because of the impact that it had Yeah. Um, but you know, what what can you do Nothing. at the end of the day enjoy the, enjoy the great music try and enjoy it as much as you can um, before we saw the first band of the day I went to a lovely little panel discussion yeah. which was on they were kind of discussing post metal as a genre um, and it was Christian from LLNN yep. and fucking Brady from Conjurer again um, and um, and for the last 15 minutes because he turned up late Tom from Bosk as well <laughs> um, but I picked up some lovely little tips on what I should focus on if yeah. I want to start playing drums in a post metal band yeah. which after Arc Tangent I definitely want to do <laughs> yeah. for sudden, all of a sudden um, but the first band that we saw on the Friday um, was A.A. A. Williams yeah. or the first artist I should say it was a full band set yeah um, and as a result, I think they made really good use of the space sonically. They were opening the arc stage. Yeah. Massive crowd again for that early in the morning was yeah. brilliant to see. Yeah, especially with the weather. Yeah. Are we agreed that that debut album is just a be- beautiful bit of work? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, we- for, a, for a debut EP, um, 
It's incredible. Yeah, mm. it's really incredible. One of one of the EPs of the year for me. We reviewed it really early on. Was it like episode one we reviewed yeah. it? Perhaps it came out in January. So yeah, and it's really stuck with me. I have to admit, it yeah. really has. And. Um, I mean, the live set kind of reflected that. She was quite simply spellbinding. Yeah, um, very... You know, she made such great use of quietness, mm. you know, and it, it really locks you in, it really sucks you in. Also, um, may sound a little bit wanky, but I don't care. She was the first of many acts of the day to really benefit, actually, from the weather mm. and the sort of... Oh, yeah, know, it would have been was weird. was incredibly grey. Yeah. and sort of misty day wasn't it and there were so many acts that just seemed to really benefit from that it sort of added an atmosphere um, yeah. which was quite cool I thought I mean if the weather wasn't giving me chills A.A. Williams definitely did yeah. you know um, and what I was saying about it being a full band set as well it was definitely loud at times and, and quite oh, yeah. dense Yeah. but like you said it was also very dynamic it was so quiet Yeah. at times that you could hear a pin drop yeah and the way she is does manage to hold those night notes at such a quiet volume that's not easy you know yeah. it's not just a matter of just not singing as loudly there's a whole other element that comes into it as a singer yeah and she's just doesn't break at any point no she's incredible um i would have probably enjoyed this set a little bit more if we weren't stood with um friend of the podcast sam law <laughs> who just leaned over to me at one point and just went cheer up goth <laughs> <laughs> um oh. yeah <laughs> but it uh, it was great i can't think of a better way to have started one of the simultaneously best and most miserable days of my life <laughs> it was great um so after that um another holy raw band uh, yeah. the uh, Holy Raw Festival. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we never learned to live. Now we spoke about this band very recently, yeah. just on the last episode of the Bitch and Review. We recorded, uh, we reviewed their um, their latest album, the, uh, the Sleepwalk Transmissions. Yeah. You were more keen on it than I was, I think. Yeah, I think um, listeners may have spotted by now that I am just a sucker for that kind of melodic post-hardcore thing that they mm. do, um, and I think they do it really well. Um, how did you feel about this live set? I, I, I liked it. I yeah. did. I, you know, I feel like they they had a, a their sort of technical proficiency really comes forward live. Yeah. Um, and Sean Mann, their singer, he's got a f- cracking voice. Yeah, he really, he really does. does. Yeah. You know, he's got a really lovely clean cut voice. Uh, he obviously does. You know, the the less clean bits very well as well. Yeah. Um, but melodically, I think he just kind of shone at that point. It seemed genuinely to be a really big deal for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a big deal for a lot of the bands playing there, and they really kind of show their appreciation for playing a festival with the legacy that Arc Tangent has, yeah. even in its infancy. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they did have some technical issues. Yeah, but, but they were the first band I saw a weekend that had sound difficulties, which yeah. is never nice to see. But it's, it's out of their control. They really powered through, though, they so did, they get yeah. my respect for that. Yeah. Um, it did feel to me a lot like the album felt. There was, there's just something that's kind of holding them back from being on the level of a band like Palm Reader, who we'll talk about in a bit, or like Holding Absence as well. Yeah. They're not much to watch as a live band. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but I do have to admit, Luma Non Luma, which is their set closer now, is even bigger live. Yeah, so I yeah. guess it is a lot like the album where Luma Non Luma was the best bit. It is a huge song. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I've got no doubt, maybe with another album under their belt and a few more of those 
massive melodic songs mm. you know, if they come back to our tangent I'm definitely not checking out on them anytime no. soon yeah yeah they were they were they were great really good yeah, yeah really good so we popped over uh, from the yokai stage where they were playing after they'd finished we popped over to the px3 stage for a little bit of cattle uh, yeah. This was kind of like a discovery band of the weekend for me. Yeah. Um, we only saw a little bit, but kind of enough to leave a, quite a bit of an impression. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've not heard Cattle before, really glitchy, synth-heavy stuff. There's lots of post-punk revivalism, yeah. especially in the kind of the bass lines. Um, but Cattle are very well known for having two drummers. Yeah. And the band are very aware of that. They're you know they're kind of both sort of front and center, and opposed to. You know, like where, where some bands have two drummers, one of the drummers will be doing the main sort of beat, and then the others will just be adding accents here and there. Yeah, they were both just going hell for leather. Yeah, that was really awesome, actually. It's possibly, you know, that's the selling point of the band for a reason in my eyes. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sold on the vocalist. No, I think we both kind of shared that he was doing a sort of almost possessed kind of Ian Curtis thing in the corner, going back to that post punk thing. Yeah. Um, red face, lots of sort of convulsions, yeah, um, and this sort of garbled barking vocal delivery, yeah. Um, I, I did leave. Like, we we both left after a little while because we just thought oh, it's a little bit much for that time of it's day. A, it's a very difficult thing to turn up some way into the set and try and click with. Does yeah. that make sense? You know, yeah, we, we walked sure. into the tent and. It was incredibly intense. It yeah. was a lot to try and wrap your head around. But they've around. still got a really good crowd as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there may be gold in them hills yet. Yeah. yeah. For, for cattle. Uh, if, if you like... Um, so, if you like the, the sort of more uh, straightforward side of Daughters, like, the, again, going back to that song, The Reason They Hate Me, yeah. if you like that song, I think you'd like cattle, yeah. to be honest. Um, but after that, we went to go and see Slow Crush. Yeah. Um, so that was back on the Yokai stage again, another Holy Raw band. Um, Aurora was in my top 20 albums of 2018, and I know kind of just missed yours as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I missed them at 2000 Trees, but you did see their set. Yeah. How did this one compare to their set at 2000 Trees? This was better. Oh, really? This was better. Um, I spoke about the 2000 Trees one. I really liked it. I maybe felt that there was something a little bit missing. I don't know if it was a atmosphere thing I don't know if it was a sort of first thing on the second day kind of thing um, I thought the sound was a lot better this time Ooh. I um, got those heavier bits a bit better do you disagree you're giving me a no 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 I mean I I, I yeah I, like I said I, I really do love that that slow crush record yeah. and I was really good to see them live at last um, I wanted to love this set so much more than I think yeah. I actually did. Okay. Um, I don't know whether it was just the fact that that fucking bastard rain was really yeah, starting to get to me at that point. We should say we were both in this tent. We were freezing. We were soaked through. It was coming in sideways at that point. After this, straight after this set, I went back to the tent. I got changed and I stayed out of the rain for about an hour and a half. I yeah. think. Yeah. Just, it got a bit much at this point. Um, I, I wanted, you know, the, 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 those washed-out guitars that they have are really kind of loud and powerful. Yeah. Um, and there, there's kind of that wonderful contrast with. Isa Holiday's hushed vocal stylings. Yeah. Um, and she, as a, as a front woman, has a really kind of alluring presence. Yeah. I don't mean to say that in like a creepy way no, at all, I but know you know, you like she yeah. really does kind of draw you in. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to let those ethereal elements of their sound kind of wash over me 
and for me to feel fully immersed in those sonics like yeah. I'm taking like a big shoegazy bath yeah a big fuzzy bath <laughs> um, but there was just that sort of invisible barrier that they just weren't able to punch through this time around yeah and I wonder I, I'm dying to see this band at a venue and a, yeah. you know at their headline show and I wonder if festivals they just have to maybe crack yeah. festivals a little bit um, but I, I thought it was really good they do that sort of dreamy post-punk soundscape really well so yeah I'm definitely aware that this may have been a me problem <laughs> a crowd interface error if you will um, after that we saw did we both see Birds in Rome? yeah yeah um, I'm really gutted to have missed their tour with Cult Leader earlier this year yeah me too um, you know to give you a kind of summary it's raw sort of post hardcore with some mafia elements I would say but mm-hmm. it, it still kind of has this ramshackle sound I would say yeah um, there were I, I, I found this set to be I thought they were very good yeah uh, they were sort of very emotive uh, and yeah. sort of very raw but I feel like it perhaps didn't carry the weight of a show from someone from one of their peers like you know a Touche Amore or something yeah um, there were there were actually you know to the, to their to their credit there are a lot of messages that the singer who I believe is known just as B they're yeah. all just known by their initials uh, he was giving off a lot of messages about community and togetherness yeah. they'd driven 19 hours I think they said yeah. from France which is where they're from um, and um, and that felt felt very fitting you yeah. know considering the fact they've come over from mainland Europe and all, all the shit that's going on at the moment yeah. trying to you know kind of emphasise that need for togetherness we didn't really see so much of that art tangent and um, and and uh, we saw a lot of it at 2000 Trees, so it was, it was quite nice to see somebody actually kind of delivering some of those messages during Definitely, their set. Yeah. But musically, I thought it was, um, I thought it was great. I didn't, it, I wasn't blown away by it though. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Um, they do a lot of things that I like. Um, as you say, it's very impassioned, yeah. especially the vocal delivery. Yeah, it's that kind of emotive hardcore thing. Um, they're very abrasive, they're quite unconventional and, and mathy, but they have a, like a punk energy, don't they, and the speed mm. that they play at. So they do a lot of things that they like, and I'm going to go back to the album and really yeah, really work on the album. Um, but, you know, I really liked it. I, was, um, I wasn't I was blown away. No. One thing I did see, though, is that their lights kind of didn't change for the whole set. It was mainly sort of a low white light that just kind of was dipped over the over the band yeah you could see the steam coming off of them yeah that was something that i thought was like wow they are really fucking working hard yeah, so yeah. yeah i thought they were great yeah um they were on the they were on the bixler stage as was uh sleep token yeah um so i walked into sleep token set with great intrigue this was one of the bigger clashes of the day i yeah. sort of chose to see sleep token over tosca yeah. On the yokai stage. Um, sorry, Tosca, you are great and all, but uh, yeah, I was very, very excited to see whether this Sleep Token set was worth all the, I don't want to say hype, but buzz. Yeah, I would buzz, say. I think, yeah. Um, and I came out of this set feeling quite differently, I would say. Really? Yeah. Um, God, this just makes me sound like an absolute miserable bastard on the Friday that can't be impressed at any point, can <laughs> it? Um, I thought, you know, musically, it was impeccable. Yeah. And that 
the the sort of the front person, they, who's known as Vessel, um, was just sort of soulful and, and note perfect. He's yeah. got an amazing voice. Kind of reminds me less of like a, a sort of an alternative vocalist and more like a, a sort of a Sam Smith or a Dan from Bastille yeah, yeah. in places. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie, I, I felt like they could have created more of an air of mystery. Okay. Um, Vessel kind of composed themselves like a, a pop or a soul singer. Yeah. And it would have kind of intrigued me if they just stayed a little bit more enigmatic. I get yeah. like they're covered head to toe in black sort of body paint and then wearing a mask, right? Yeah. And they're sort of hooded. I get that, right? But he was kind of... The, the way he they were moving around the stage was just kind of it got rid of a little bit of that yeah it was very sort of typical wasn't it it was of, a little bit um, I think we're coming at this from from different angles because okay. I was pleasantly surprised to see that the I know that they call their live sets rituals and as a this is what I mean earlier but I was saying about the worship element yes yeah, yeah. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that that is although it's there it's not particularly theatrical and actually that plays second fiddle to the music mm. you know and it very much is just a band performing yeah just nobody happens to know who they are or can see who they are mm. um which i think i appreciated more. okay so we're coming at this from just opposite sides which is do you want to take this outside <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um I, I don't know why but i i feel like um I, you know like i said i don't think i can fault them in any way musically and vessel is just no. an, an incredible singer and um i've yeah. loved all of the singles that i've heard so far off their debut album which is coming out in november i want to say yeah i mean there's a slight kind of um they do something i think quite original what they're doing in terms of melding very accessible almost pop yeah with um i guess you'd call it gents it's sort of te- technical technical yeah. i wouldn't even call it like technical metal but it's sort of down that tesseract kind yeah, of route. yeah yeah um but there is a, a kind of i started to feel like each song was sort of starting off and then sort of building to the crescendo of the heavy guitars and it, it started to feel a little bit formulaic I think as mm. the set went on yeah um, I think that was possibly one of my problems as well it yeah. just kind of felt like I was it kind of ended on a little bit of a predictable note yeah but me. they're a band in their infancy and I think yeah, they've oh certainly God. got my attention yeah for sure and I, I'd like to see a headline show because yeah, I feel like you know they had 40 minutes in a tent at a festival they probably couldn't have brought the full production out yeah. um, but I do feel like they could really benefit from some theatrics and okay. they could do it without being hokey and like again this might be different from their headline shows so there might be a, an element that we kind of missed and yeah. I think we also just missed the start of their set as well yeah. we? we kind of came in about two or three songs in yeah and I believe they had quite a big in- introduction yeah so maybe I'm kind of coming at it not knowing what kind of came at the start yeah but yeah. you know I feel like that theatrical thing can be done really really well yeah a yeah, lot of people can. talk about Ghost and I know I joke about them pretty much on every episode but a band like High Lung can do that kind of multi-sensory experience really really well yeah yeah um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely not checking out on Sleep Token anytime yeah. soon. Um, and another band which I'm far, 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 far from checking out on, um, Palm Reader. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd like to just check out on them, they can fuck off. Um, I mean, they were on the PX3 stage, yep. which was stunning for me, to be honest. Yeah. 
because they really hammered home the point that, that Palm Reader are now just one of the best bands in Britain, full yeah. stop. Yeah. Especially as a live band. We've spoken loads about their live show on here, but yeah. I mean, at this point, it's just kind of ass kicking business as usual, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, once again, I think this was slightly better than the 2003 set. Um, not necessarily because of their performance as a band, because they are always super tight, super technical, and impressive in that respect. I think it was just a combination of. You know, they had a massive crowd. I think, again, the sound was slightly better. Mm. Um, that just seems to be the thing with ATG, the sound. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was great. And I can't say it enough. I think they need to be on bigger stages. Uh, they, they need a mammoth push up to that main stage. Yeah, with, they with could one, do it. one more album, I think. You yeah. know. Um, I don't know if it was because where they were, but... There appeared to be some maybe work towards emphasising the more technical aspect of their sound, especially with Andy and Sam's guitars. Yeah. Um, and it's really great to see them just be their usual brilliant selves mm-hmm. before they wrap up the Braille album cycle. Because if if word of mouth is to be believed, they are working on some new material. I yeah, think they are working yeah. on album four. I think, we we yeah. saw them around, out and about loads during the weekend. I yeah. probably should have asked them about it <laughs> um, instead of just talking to Andy about our bowel movements uh, that actually did happen uh, at one point um, so yeah Palm Reader were fucking ace weren't they yeah, as per as per yeah. uh, speaking of one of the best bands in Britain yeah or two of the best artists in Britain I should say yeah uh, Black Peaks featuring um, a, a guest vocalist I guess yeah I, I didn't catch it did you catch his form? did you have it written down his name yeah um Jimmy, uh, no, Jimmy something. Uh, J- Jimmy Lee Man? I think that's right, yeah. Oh, no, no, wait, hang on. Jamie Lemon. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah we like him, though. Yeah, we great. do quite like yeah, him, actually. Yeah, we like that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was this was um, a bit of a, uh, obviously, a weird situation for Black Peaks. They weren't even originally meant to be on the band. They replaced the Black Queen. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the news broke that uh, their vocalist Will was uh, recovering from sepsis, which is fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, but we do hear he's recovering. If you are listening, Will, then then get well soon, yeah. mate. Um, we look forward to seeing you back soon. Um, now, I thought the original plan was for Black Peaks and you know with Jamie Lemon on vocals to be playing all that divides. In yeah, full. we discussed this before, didn't we? I kind of felt that there had been. After the initial announcement, there had been very little mention of yeah. all the divides and full, and I wondered if they had opted not to do that, which is totally understandable. I, I think I think it was still, mate. It felt like we had, even for a band with just two albums to their name, a Black Peak's greatest hit set. Yeah, definitely. It was so lean, with a few Ruben covers, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've already said how we feel about Ruben covers during Jamie Lemon's sets, but... <laughs> Um, I mean, let's let's talk about Lemon for a second. I didn't feel like there was any scepticism towards whether he would do Will's vocals justice. Yeah. Because Will is one of the most um, awe-inspiring vocalists of his time, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, J- Jamie Lemon, again, another incredible vocalist. So, no scepticism, I think just curiosity to see how yeah. he would approach those vocals. Yeah, and I think how he did approach it, uh, at least to my ears, was to not try and ape Will's vocal necessarily. Um, 
difficult thing to do. I think. Oh yeah, very difficult. Um, <laughs> that boy's got some lungs on him. <laughs> um, but to very much be Jamie Lenman doing those songs, and he still very much does an incredible job. Mm. You know, I didn't feel he, it was lacking at any point. You know, I didn't feel like. I feel like he did it perfectly. Yeah, and he was very respectful of his position there as well. Yeah, he's a larger-than-life personality, so yeah. obviously he brought himself to that show. Mm. Um, he has tons of charisma. Yeah. So obviously that was all over the stage, but it was all about Black Peaks. It, it was really all was. all about the he, band behind he, it. He was not his kind of usual loquacious self. <laughs> um, but then, you know, like we said, it's not his show. No. Um, and it was a victory lap for everyone on that stage, especially yeah. the, the three the three other members of Black Peaks. I must admit, something clicked for me during that set when I realised just how much I absolutely adore Liam Curley on drums. Yeah. He's like a monstrous kind of splicing stylistically of Abe Cunningham and Danny Carey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking incredible set of musicians, they honestly. They really, really are, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that was uh, an absolute roaring success for Black Peaks. Yeah, but at the same such time, a great celebration of that band. Absolutely. A, a celebration they deserve at this point, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, this, this whole thing with Will being unwell, it has unfortunately thrown a bit of a... Stu- you know throw pump the brakes on their momentum a little bit but I've absolutely no doubt that they'll pick up from where they left off oh, when yeah. Will is back 100% so um so after we saw uh, Black Peaks uh, featuring Jamie Lemon well there was a little bit of a break here because we went to at this point the rain had been going for what about 11 hours at this, yeah. yeah um and we went back to check on our tents now your tent had flooded yep my stuff was floating around and <laughs> um, my tent had not flooded but it leaked to the point at which all of my clothes were soaked yeah um, so at that point we decided let's put all of our stuff in the car let's sleep in the car tonight and yeah fuck the tents off really yeah. unfortunately <laughs> sorry dad um, and uh after we did that, we were in a pretty miserable mood, I would say. Yeah, we need our spirits needed lifting, that's for sure. So Russian circles, yeah, uh, kind of came to our aid with that <laughs> yeah. one. Um, I really wish I'd caught the whole of this set um, because it strikes me as something that you would be immersed in from the off. They were subheadlining the arc stage, which yeah. was. Definitely a massive deal for them, I would yeah. say. Of all the kind of post-metal bands that played over the weekend, it feels like them and one other band at this point that played yeah. are at the point where they could headline. Yeah, Arc Tangent. I'd say so. Um, with a with a with a good bill kind of under them, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, I, I don't really have much to say about this because we only really only did catch the last two, three songs. Yeah, of this and set. they're not a band that I was familiar really prior. I was familiar. I wasn't, you know, I'm not yeah. okay with their back catalogue. So. Yeah, I mean, the sheer weight of their riffs is absolutely kind of staggering. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, I didn't really think there was anything that pushed Russian Circles that far ahead of the curve for me. No. Um, it's just really bloody good post-metal done really bloody well. They're amazing musicians, aren't they? The, yeah. The layers that are at work in their sound is is um, pretty incredible, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, and not to do the whole thing of, I can't believe they're only a three-piece and they sound that loud, but yeah. But it's... we can't believe they're only a three-piece, they sound really loud. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so Russian Circles were awesome, yeah. but... Um, 
I'll tell you who truly kind of bowled me over. <laughs> yeah. uh, was right next door afterwards on the Bixler stage, headlining the stage that day. Um, Frontera. Yeah. So, were you, were you much of a fan of the Frontera album that came out last year, Unloved? Oh, I found it hard work. Uh, I do really like it. Yeah. yeah. But it, it took some work, I think, for me to, to vibe with that. Yeah, it's not easy listening by any stretch not, of the imagination, no, does it? No, it's not going to turn up on uh, Wave, Wave 105 anytime soon. <laughs> is that maybe a niche reference? Wave a, 105, yeah. Like a local Anyone outside race. of Hampshire is going to know, like, you know... It's the classic old man radio station, isn't it? It really like, is. Yeah, my yeah. dad loves it. Oh, no, well, no. Da- the dad radio station is formerly known as Jack FM, now Sam FM. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I maybe should have said Magic FM, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that ship sailed now. My, my shitty car radio reset itself the other day, and it tuned itself to Mercury. Wow. I didn't even know that was still a fucking thing with its <laughs> wow. shitty purple logo. Um, wow, this really is niche references, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, uh, an arc tangent. So Frontera, yeah. I mean, that album's um, a bit of a slog for me, really. It's brilliant, yeah. but I, I feel like I really need to kind of. Um, I need a bit of time to almost get over it yeah. um, after I've listened to it, and from the off. This was an assault. Yeah. Both on the the eyes and the and the ears and and the face in general. Yeah. Um, what we were saying about Carpenter Brute yesterday. This was sensory overload. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it was um, abrasive. I think in every way possible. Mm. Um, it's almost like it's not there to be enjoyed in the traditional sense. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, some of the sounds coming out of those guitars were just mad I yeah think. some of the sounds coming off that stage um it's an incredibly complex and extreme thing that they do yeah um and it, it's hard to put into words really <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i i feel like the ghosts of bands like dillinger and botch really live on in in part in bands like frontier you know yeah. not not kind of solely there's loads of great bands doing this obviously i was incre- uh, intrigued to ask how did this compare to uh, the Arms 2003 set purely on a kind of musical level because I know the Armed had parts of their set which kind of went beyond the the, the Sonics. Yeah, um, it's a heavier sound, I think. Yeah. In the Arms, uh, the Arms are more kind of punky, I oh, suppose, right. and, and um, Frontier is uh, a lot beefier, a lot yeah. heavier. There's a a bit. There's maybe a bit more going on, I think. I was very pleasantly surprised by how prominent that stompy hardcore element became Yeah. during during uh, Frontier set. Um, but th- that's also not to say that this show was by any means sort of straightforward. No. And um, it also felt like it was over extremely quickly. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a blink and you'll miss it thing. They had an hour's set, if yeah. I can recall. It felt more like 30 minutes by it the time It reminded me very much of that vein set we spoke about <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of months ago, probably, or a few yeah. months ago. Um, but they kind of, yeah, it felt like it was over very quickly, and I was left stood there in the mud, just kind of wondering what I'd just seen, Just really. left to scoop up bits of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And dust some of the mud off it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they, they were they were phenomenal. Yeah, I would say. Um, headlining the bits of the stage that was Frontera, and then we went over to the PX3 stage. We saw like two songs of battles. I don't know if I can really say anything no, about it. No. Not that apart from the fact that um, their drummer is an absolute fucking monster. Yeah. Um, and he likes his cymbals really, really, really bloody high yeah. up. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> and that's our review of Battles headlines there at Tangent. <laughs> uh, because we went over to the PX3 stage and we saw Brutus, didn't we, Brad? Yeah, we did. We like Brutus, don't we? We, we do quite like yeah, them. Yeah, we like them. <laughs> um, this was... They had about an hour, didn't they? They did, stage. yeah. I was... I don't want to say dubious. I was, I was curious... You know about them having an hour. It seemed to me like a long time. But, okay. But you know, I think they absolutely smashed it. <laughs> yeah, so. they really did. And it really felt like a headlining set. I think you know, yeah. it really felt like they were closing the stage, and there was a sense of occasion to that. Um, the songs from Burst are great. That was a, I really liked that album. I think the songs from Nest are next level. Yes. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I feel exactly the same. Um, I, I, I like the fact that they did have a slightly longer set than they had at 2000 Trees because that tree set was fantastic and it was great to see them on the main stage. I feel like I could just echo everything I said from that Trees review. Yeah. But uh, this this time around, I feel like the, the thing you could feel even better was that invisible connection between the three members, just yeah. that completely unbreakable bond, especially between uh, Peter, the bassist, and, and Stephanie obviously plays drums and sings. Um, and yeah, it was. I was stoked to hear some more of the the sort of the the album tracks from from Nest, which for me I think is is actually the album to yeah. beat this year. Um, so when I heard songs like Fire opening the set and then Techno a little bit further along in the set as well, yeah, uh, Space was a real set highlight. Yeah. It's kind of that more post-punky, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. thing of their. Uh, post-punkier territory that they kind of uh, stray into yeah. uh, really kind of showcased their dynamism as a band yeah it gave them time to go into that much more spacious yeah. material which was great it really did and also you know as a result of having a slightly longer set we did hear some songs from Burst get back into the set yeah, so yeah. I was really wasn't expecting to hear Baby Seal yeah. um, and uh, uh, you know a song like that and All Along as well mm. although that was a single I was fully prepared for them to, ju- to just kind of disappear from their live set um, but for the benefit of hearing more songs from Nest yeah. Uh, so hearing them and, and also hearing Stephanie kind of revisit those songs kind of really emphasises her growth as a vocalist Yeah. Um, and then they have the best set closer I think you could ever hope for in Sugar yeah, Dragon yeah, really, yeah. which really just kind of knocks the air right out of your lungs yeah. much like it does on the record um, so yeah, uh, deserved stage headliners. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like what we were saying about Palm Reader earlier, a band that maybe with one more album or even next year, I could say, deserve that mammoth push up to the bigger stages or even the main stage at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was the Friday at Arc Tangent, and then we went off and we uh, again found ourselves too tired for the silent disco. <laughs> So we headed off and we slept in my car. Yeah. Um, do you want to review that experience at all? Um, it, was, it was fine, I thought. How did you find it? I was quite happy. Well, I nearly had a panic attack. Oh, so... yeah. I didn't know if you were going to talk about this on my corner. Oh, mate. Uh, so it's horrible camping in the cold as it is. Yeah. And you wake up and you're shivering. 
But I literally woke up and I was, I could not stop shaking. Yeah, and I feel like were. my body had gone into shock. Yeah. It kind of took it out for me, uh, out of me for the rest of Saturday. I felt very, very tired. Yeah. It was not pleasant. I and think I, the cold took me by surprise. We are genuinely reviewing this, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I was <laughs> expecting it to get quite hot and steamy in that car, not for any reason other than... M- much like we do when we do a review show yeah, sat in yeah. the car and it looks like we've gone dogging in West Key Car Park. <laughs> Uh, but the temperature did drop. Uh, I had to reach for a hoodie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my review. And then uh, you farted, and it was disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> I had really bad wind. My, my girlfriend got into that car on Wednesday and went, it fucking stinks in here, and that was four <laughs> days later. So um, Just been marinating in there. Stewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was our Friday at Arc Tangent. Yeah. How are you holding up there, buddy? How's yeah, good. I think my voice is... Just about holding, yeah, holding out. You definitely, you're, you're really working this, this husk. Husky, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a part of me that hopes this sticks around. I quite, I quite yeah. like it. I'm sure the listeners are like, I can't wait till his voice is fixed, <laughs> or I just can't wait till he just stops talking. I don't know. <laughs> we got one more day to go, and all. Yeah. Um. So Saturday at Arc Tangent, or as I like to call it, Leg Day. Yeah, as I like uh, to call it, Sunday, because <laughs> uh, it's so confusing. Don't you think? Yeah, I like that though. To be honest. Yeah. Um. So we both went to the live uh, recording of the uh, Riot Act podcast yeah. Friends of the Podcast Hi yeah. Renfrey um, what a guy eh yeah great yeah. Guy. it was really great to see them do a live podcast yeah. I was really glad to have missed out on their live podcast in London and we joke about it all the time but obviously we've, we've taken a lot of inspiration from um, from Riot Act and what yeah. they kind of do in terms of alternative music so um so yeah, it was really cool to see them do a, a sort of a live panel, and I think it was recorded. So yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but the first go and band, check it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was really good fun. You'll yeah. hear me ask a question as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the uh, first band that we saw of the day. Yeah. Uh, was friends of the podcast. The St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Yeah. Uh, opening the... Well, no, they weren't opening the ARC stage, were they? They were Which second, second on, on, yeah. on the ARC stage. Um, again, we kind of woke up. All of my clothes were soaked. Yeah. So there was a lot of arsing about in the morning, wasn't there? Uh, Just trying to get our our brains and our gears in order. Yeah, and me farting as usual. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Uh, that, those <laughs> fucking breakfast burrito farts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> Spicy farts. Um, I th- I think um, so. The Saint Pierre Snake Invasion uh, on the arc stage. They they were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, again, um, I I really feel like they could have benefited from being bumped up that main stage a slot or two, yeah. and maybe given a longer slot because it was a shorter set to what we saw at Two Thousand Trees. Yeah. Um, Damien was in his usual sort of cocky shit house mood. Yeah. Um, and. I, I do feel like he maybe didn't have his, his chance to properly shine on that stage. You yeah. know, they were, they, it almost felt like they were a little bit rushed along, to be honest. Yeah, the only band I think we saw that I felt like I wanted longer, you know. That, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but the way those songs rattle along anyway, from especially from Caprice Enchante, yeah. another one of the albums to beat this year for me. Uh, they, they opened on the title track, uh, which was really cool to hear because they didn't play it at 2000 Trees. They kind of swapped... The title track, uh, they kind of swapped the safety word is Oklahoma out for the title track at this point, yeah. which was really cool to hear. So it wasn't just the same set again. Yeah. Um, and oh my God, when they played Casanova Kane, 
and um, <laughs> Damien put his guitar on. I think he said, yeah, that's drop B tuning you can hear, but don't worry, this isn't a Slipknot song. Uh, such a dick, honestly. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, they just kind of peeled through those songs. Yeah. Um, at a sort of a lightning pace. But at, at the core of it as well, you know, all these kind of sort of uh, arrogant... The, the sort of arrogant persona aside you can really feel so much heart and so much passion from a band Absolutely. who could have just packed in years ago just because they yeah. were so fed up Yeah, but they haven't and I feel like it's really benefited them at this point yeah and it was great to see so many people come out I don't I feel like this time on the last day of the festival it was about 11 11 30 mm. it's probably the graveyard slot I think people are worn out they're hungover yeah it was very so I call it leg day because it was so muddy. Yeah. The weather was lovely on the Saturday, but the damage was done at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I do feel like they had a crowd that was maybe more on board at 2000 Trees. Mm-hmm. It felt like they had something of a hardcore following at Trees, and this time there felt like a lot of uh, a lot of sort of more. They, they just felt less fussed. Arctangent would surprise me because they are a a lot of factors there. I mean, trees. Everyone by that point in the day is is you know hammered and you know really up for it. And when you play first thing at a festival, the vibe's going to be different, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, I still think they did really well to pull a sizable crowd. Oh God, yeah, they did. Yeah, Yeah. no, no criticism on that front at all. Um, So yeah, after that, we headed over to the Bixler stage and we watched Gender Roles, uh, who were recently on the podcast doing the the Bitchin' Festival preview for ATG. So so thanks for that, Tom, if you're listening. Um, ATG has been obviously touted as this hub for experimental and boundary-pushing music, and we've made that very clear over the course of our review. Plenty of bands on that front. Yeah. This, to me, was the ultimate example of how having much more, and I don't mean this in any sort of like mean way at all, having much more straightforward bands on the lineup yeah. can really, really work. Yeah. I thought they were awesome. Yeah, they really, really were. And I think um, the crowd really, really liked them as well. I don't yeah, think, yeah. Yeah, I think they really justified their place there. Um, I enjoy the kind of scrappy, slightly sort of slacker vibe they have. Yeah. Live. Um, they're insanely catchy mm. as well. Um, they remind me a bit of a band we're going to talk about in a little bit, actually. Oh, really? Um, which I will remember to flag up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to say about this other than it was really, really great. Yeah, yeah they, they were clearly in very high spirits. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but they played a song from their, their new album, yeah. uh, Prang, which we're going to be reviewing on the next episode, The Big yeah. Gym Review. No, no spoilers, but we may have heard it already. Yeah. And Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do remember them playing, I think the song's called Bubble yeah. uh, from the new album. And hearing a little bit of a sample of free shabakadoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that killed me. Which kind of, yeah, it everyone kind of, knows it's the funniest video on the internet. Absolutely. Ever. <laughs> Who needs like old clips of Saturday Night Live when you're just having a person laughing at a, a badly arranged lettering on a sign? <laughs> yeah. um, and they ended their set, so they were saying a lot about how much they were looking forward to Mashuka. Yeah. Um, and Tom was doing all the sort of the, the uh, it was it saying sucking a lemon yeah, face. Yeah. Um, they ended their set on a really sort of genty groove yeah. so total tribute to Meshuggah and that's definitely not typical of gender roles but yeah. they were very aware of the sort of where they stood yeah. at Arctangent and they were just there to have fun Yeah. Um, 
there is a place for bands like Gender Rolls at Arctangent. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe not like headliner level. I'm no. not saying like we should see, I don't know, Weezer headliner Arctangent. Yeah. I mean, if they were playing Pinkerton in full, maybe that'd be good. <laughs> or, or the Black Album in full. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or the covers. Yeah, the cover yeah. Album. The, the, the Teal Album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Or, or like Raditude in full. <laughs> Let's have that at Art Tangent 2020. Book it. Uh, yeah, Gender Rolls were awesome, and we'll be talking about them very, very shortly yeah. uh, about their new album, Prang, which is coming out on August 30th. Same day as Tool. Um, now, again, another band that we'll be talking about on the next episode, The Bitchin' Review. Yeah. Or another band's, I should say. That another doesn't make bands. sense, does it? Uh, let's work. Let's go with it. Yeah, right then. Uh, so, Pine and Conjurer, or uh, as they're collectively known, Curse these metal hands. Yeah. Um, so, if you don't know, this was um, the kind of the eagerly anticipated return of a collaborative project between the two bands. Yeah. Both bands are obviously quite good. Um, and this was originally curated for Arctangent last year. Yeah. Um, so, to have them back this year. It felt like a sort of a glorious homecoming. Yeah. And you could really feel the anticipation in the not only in the room for for Art Tangent, but um, just across the weekend. Yeah. The amount of Kirsty's Metal Hands merch that I saw. Yeah. Um, that brilliant Godspeed You Black Emperor t shirt that they kind <laughs> of ripped off. Yeah. Uh, I think they sold it out across the weekend, and to hear a band sell out a merch over the weekend is, yeah, I mean, it's, fu- it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Let's just put it out there. Um, that anticipation built and built through the three-minute intro to High Spirits because they essentially just played the album in full, yeah. didn't they? Um, and they were just waiting for that that three guitar explosion. And I don't want to kind of give away too much of my thoughts about. The Curse of These Metal Hands record. Yeah. But when they kick into High Spirits, it's just. I mean, I was speechless. It was incredible. Yeah, it was. I mean, these are amazing musicians. Um, I think the sense of fun is really good as well. You know, that these are bands who, respectively, the bands, at least sonically, it's very. It's not what I would call fun music sonically mm. with uh, Pine and Conjurer um, no but this you know this uh, project has fun ran all over it you know? yeah I think you know uh, they, they. I think towards the end of their set they, they did a really cool bit of crowd participation where they encouraged you to shake the hand of the person next to you yeah and it was about friendship that's that's what this project really is about yeah um and i think you know as much as i love a lot of the music that is at arc tangent there is kind of a, a bit of a peril of bands becoming very sort of po-faced and super yeah, serious yeah. Uh, and just kind of immersed in their art this is clearly just a bunch of mates having a laugh playing riffs they've had their time to kind of be serious with their primary bands um and something like that just becomes so profound, and I actually got a little bit emotional yeah, towards the end of it. It's definitely infectious. Yeah, yeah, they they are already they've already like I said about that merch kind of selling out across the weekend. It feels like they've already become a separate band on their own merits. Yeah. Um, so much so that I, I want them to take it on tour. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to be doing so for a little bit. I think as we record this, they're going to be doing their last 
Kirsty's Metal Hands show for a little while uh, yeah. in London, but that's because Kundra are busy, you know, touring the fucking world. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they were brilliant, yeah. and we weren't meant to have them on this uh, upcoming ATG special, um, but then Brady fell asleep <coughs> and, and missed all of their press, because he's a twat. Brady, if you're listening, cheers mate, you really screwed me over on that one, but somehow I still love you. Um, after that, I did go off and do said press, mm. um, and you went off to go and see the Physics House Band, yeah. who I was actually, I was quite gutted to miss in doing my research for ATG, this was a band that I kind of penciled in to really see them if I could, Yeah, and unfortunately I couldn't, so yeah. tell me, <laughs> tell me how good um, they were and I'll get jealous. They're a cool band, I like their kind of take on instrumental post-rock, it's um, they're quite groovy at times, kind of loungy, mm. I, I like how they do that, um, and yeah, and it, it, it's quite a fun sound they have, it reminds me a little bit of, um, and so I watch it from afar, which um, I don't know, we might be talking about in a bit. I, Maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're kind of not the most kind of interesting band to actually watch on the stage right. because they are kind of meticulously crafting their sounds. You know, their, their soundscapes have quite a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of sat down on the outskirts of the tent and just listened and, and let that. What in the mud? Oh, it was dry. There were sort of dry patches oh, okay. around the peripheries. I didn't sort of sit in the mud, but uh, whatever, I didn't care. Yeah. My back hurt. Um, <laughs> my, back was, <laughs> my back was fucking killing me at this point. Yeah, yeah, genuinely was. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I just like the way they bring it. I like that. I have no complaints about it at all, really. Um, yeah, I, I, I was gutted to have missed it, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, we met back up after I was kind of done recording my interviews for the weekend, which you will hear soon on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we saw three trapped tigers on yeah. the art stage. Um, so I've, you saw a little bit more of the set than I did because I was kind of running a little bit behind. Yeah. But what I saw of the set was slightly unfortunate, to be honest, because it was mired by technical issues. They yeah. lost a good chunk of their set as a result. Um, and unfortunately, uh, with a band like Three Trap Tigers, when technical issues hit, they hit like a motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, it's all reliant on the sound, isn't it? And yeah. It, it, you know, te- technical difficulties are a real blow to a band like that. And it, yeah. It was really unfortunate. I mean, they're a super interesting band. They're incredibly gifted musicians. Uh, the drummer's incredible. He's clearly not human. He's one of the best yeah. drummers in the game. I don't, I don't know his name, but yeah. Some kind of octopus... <laughs> Perhaps, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you could say he was like a colossal squid. Uh, that is not uh, a band we saw over the weekend, but that is a band that played Arc Tangent to people that don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, they they have such a wide canvas of yeah, they really do mathy kind of indie rock. Yeah, um, I'd say so. And, yeah. and then electronica as well, and. Again, not to do the, they're only a three-piece thing, but there is so much going on just between those three members. So, yeah. you know, what I did see was incredible. And, yeah. you know, uh, they, they, again, there's just another one of those bands that took the technical issues in their stride. I mean, when they kind of came roaring back into life, uh, they got a big pop from the crowd, so. Yeah, you know. yeah, when they were good, they were really, really good. It's yeah, just a they, shame that, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so we kind of skipped out of their set a little bit early as well because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to go and catch a little bit of putty yeah because you can't go wrong with a bit of riffs <laughs> and uh, I mean riffs in it yeah <laughs> there were some riffs it was riffs yeah and then there were a little bit of, you know a little bit of riffs yeah uh, all topped off with some riffs yeah. um I mean, you looked completely bewildered at one point because we caught the last few songs, and the uh, the crowd and the band got totally lost in a in a flurry of just going woo, which is a wrestling thing. It's a wrestling thing, Brad. Well done. <laughs> it's a reference to the Nature Boy Ric Flair, um, and that carried on throughout the rest of the bloody day. Um, so that's Puppy's fault. If you're wondering why is everyone going woo. You know, uh, that was Puppy's fault. Um, now I know they're on their album run, right? Still, yeah. and that album, The Goat, is awesome, and they killed it at Two Thousand Trees. I do feel like at this point I need to see them start doing something a bit different. Yeah. Not having much to say here apart from they had riffs, they were really good fun. Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily throw up any kind of warning signs for me, but the last thing I'd want is for a band like Puppy to. Uh, like the last thing I'd want to see them become is complacent yeah so I, I don't necessarily know what they can do that's different but maybe it's time to sort of step back and figure out what they can do yeah I definitely think so and I mean they've done a lot of festivals this summer they have um, so they've become really adept at turning up and just winning over a crowd yeah you know, they can turn up at trees they can turn up at Art Tangent some of the more indie leaning festivals and, mm. and do that but yeah I think you're right it is, um, they do a thing and they do it really really well and, and what is that thing? riffs well done um, yeah I, I, I don't think there's much of a risk of them becoming complacent you no, know I think just... they're, they're, they're good dudes and I mean you know we're talking about Three Trap Tigers drummer being a bit of a like colossal squid <laughs> um, I mean Billy Howard is still just insane yeah, yeah no, so no. compelling to watch yeah, I'd yeah. say you know um, and uh, I guess all I can say to round that off is um, woo riffs yes um, speaking of bands who looked complacent oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that a bit mean uh, yeah maybe a little bit but uh, we're allowed to be mean so, so we headed next door to the yokai stage after that um, and we watched The Contortionist. Yeah. This wasn't really one of the bands that I planned to see over the weekend. No. It was more just of a... We were at a bit of a loose end, so why yeah. not? Um, there are people whose opinions I value yeah. who hail The Contortionist as the band in the tech metal scene right yeah. now. Um, and actually, to be fair... I didn't see a huge amount of tech metal bands over the weekend, obviously, like, even with my sugar headlining. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, Sleep Token have that a little bit. Um, but, like, in terms of that genty groove kind of thing, yeah. Um, this was kind of the band to watch, I suppose, over I think the weekend. So, yeah. Again, it was one of those bands that are kind of very musically proficient, but it all felt a little bit wet for me. Yeah. Um, especially the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know his name but he just it all felt a little bit breathy in terms of his vocal delivery yeah um, how are you feeling about this um, it didn't uh, I don't think it totally clicked with me either it no. didn't so much win me over I think 
The band are clearly very, very gifted. I think that level of technicality is always, at base level, is always impressive. You know, so kudos for being yeah. very technically proficient. I respect that. Um, While you're there struggling to play Smoke on the Water on yeah. one string. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, don't out me like that. <laughs> I feel very seen now. Um, uh, the stuff that really worked for me was the heavier. They played some very heavy songs, but the singer had, you know, was using harsh vocals, and that stuff was much more effective for me. Mm. Uh, that was the stuff that I clicked with more. Um, the cleaner, more, you know, you had this kind of ethereal, melodic vocal. Those songs, I think you're right, they were a little bit wet, they didn't work. The vocals didn't punch through for me, no. unfortunately. No. They all just felt a little bit, felt a little bit wispy and just... Um, Do you think, are you a huge kind of tech metal fan? Because I must admit, it's not my kind of area. No, I mean, I, I, I love Tesseract. Yeah, Tesseract. Te Tesseract are kind of the band doing it for me right now. Yeah, and maybe Periphery a little bit. Periphery, um, we reviewed that uh, Asteroid record earlier this yeah. year, and I, I must admit I've not gone back to it. It's a genre that leaves me cold more often than not, and I'm wondering yeah. how much of that is factoring into this. They've definitely got some grooves that make you do the screw face thing, you know, yeah. the, the Meshuggah face. Yeah. Um, but again, it felt very po-faced. They just looked a bit bored on stage, to be honest. Mm. Um, they were fine. Yeah. They, were, they were just fine. Yeah, just fine. Um, so after that, we headed over to the Ark stage yeah. uh, for a, a secret band. Se special, special secret. Should we tell them? Should we tell them? Well, everyone knew as soon as they picked up a Clash Finder because <laughs> it was fucking written in it. So it was a secret until you got there uh, on the Thursday. Um, and so I watch you from afar. Yeah. Um, playing their self-titled album which turns 10 this year yeah. in its entirety yeah. I've since gone back to listen to that album because I'd not heard it before you had heard it before? yeah I'm um, I'm a fan of Inside Watch You From Afar I think in okay. terms of uh, instrumental post-rock they are probably far and away the best one for me they're the right. one that I the first one I kind of they were my entry into that world I feel like it was for a lot of people to be honest yeah they do it um very you were you were saying about being po-faced uh, about a few bands over this weekend and I think and so I watch you from afar it's really fun they were the antithesis of being po-faced yeah, really and I think that is something that makes them slightly more accessible um ATG is home turf for them, isn't it? It definitely made sense for them to celebrate their 10-year anniversary at somewhere like ATG. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, we were saying when we were on the way to the festival, I'd, I had them pegged. They were one of my picks for the secret band over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, because even though we were both sort of doing press there, we didn't actually know until we got there. Yeah. Um, I but... thought it was going to be you, me, at six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He would have get, they would have got on fucking eaten alive. <laughs> uh, I, the other bands I pegged were Animals as Leaders because they were in the country recently. And Wear Your Wounds, I think yeah, a lot yeah. of people had them pegged. But then also a lot of people had Inside Watch You From Afar down to be the secret band as well. Yeah. And they deserve that place there for sure. Yeah. Like third from, the, third from the top or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think... It was the most sing-alongs you'll get for a predominantly instrumental band. Yeah, I mean, the crowd knew every single th bit, Melody, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. And they do that thing in instrumental post-rock for me where uh, you don't feel the absence of a vocalist. No. Um, you know, because you've got the guitars doing so many gloriously things, uh, glorious things melodically. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, they incorporate their voices 
occasionally, almost well, as another instrument. With a bit of a woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a really great thing they do. Um, I've seen and so watched you from afar a few times before. Oh, have you? Um, they played the second stage at 2000 Trees uh, before the Bronx a few years ago. Ooh, and, um, and that was good fun. That was, I think, the best time I've seen them. It was absolutely transcendent. It was amazing. Mm. I think this is a really close second. I thought this was... Really, I mean, they were just on home turf, weren't they? It, Everyone was on board for it, and yeah. it lifted a lot of spirits that I think needed to be lifted oh, at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, everyone was kind of feeling a little bit fatigued at that point, and this just kind of woke everyone up. Yeah. And it was a big old party. Yeah. A big old tenth birthday party for a band who deserved that. Oh, uh, they could they could headline this, I think. 100%. Do you reckon they could ride with the with with the big boys? I, and I based on this, so they, you know, they certainly wouldn't be as big. Um, but I can't see anyone complaining about it if they did, and I, mm. I think they deserve it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, while we were all in a glorious mood, um, car bomb <laughs> decided to smash us in the face. Yeah, exactly. On the bits of the stage. Yeah. Um, you were not fully on board with car bomb before their set. You you had that. I, am I right? I just wasn't really familiar with them. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Total honesty. It's one of those bands I've heard great things about. Um, it's becoming a catchphrase now. There are only so many hours in a day, uh, and I've got two ears. And I just sometimes bands just I don't get around to listening to them. And you need to meet your daily Deftones quota. Obviously. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need to listen to every Deftones album at every least day. once every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what? Even Saturday Night Wrist. Oh yeah, I love Saturday Night Wrist. Yeah. I won't hear a bad word said about it. All right, then, fine, moving um, on. Unless you want to fight me. Anyone? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Calm down, mate. Um, I mean, it's fairly safe to say that it was 45 minutes of just getting the ever-loving fuck beaten out of you by robots, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Um, it sort of reminded me of the Frontier set the night before, in, a way, yeah. in terms of the level of intensity and the uh, relentlessness of it. I'd say it was it was uh, it was very similar. Um, yeah. uh, so much so that you do often see them in the uh, you know compared to one another on Spotify or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that connect the two of them. But I feel like there's a heightened sense of groove with Carbomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the the sounds that that band can make with their instruments are just obscene. Especially yeah. Greg Kubaki, their guitarist. Um, you know what I said about robotic noises earlier. Yeah, it's crazy and. Um, you know, I'll always have respect for a rhythm section who can nail time signatures like Carbomb do. Absolutely. Just almost effortlessly. And yeah. I'm just there struggling to nail a four beat at times. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with these guys? Yeah, genuinely. I mean, um, yeah, they're super interesting. I think visually, they look like a kind of New York hardcore band. I <laughs> they think, do a little bit. Which is really cool. Well, they um, are from... Uh, they are from... Long Island so. yeah yeah um, it's just obviously a lot of different things in their DNA yeah um, which kind of all come I know, I've got here that they throw a lot at the wall and rather than seeing what sticks it just smashes through the wall <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. it's like there is so much going on and it, it just kind of pummels you you, don't, you can't even really think about whether it all works or not yeah um, uh, that, that said they did have some really interesting melodic moments oh too yeah, absolutely dare I say Deftonesy in places Ooh. I don't know am I, am I going a bit too no, no, far no I agree um, I mean much like 
you know, I don't want to keep comparing it to this Frontier set, but it, it was over so quickly as well. Yeah. In fact, that was the, the calls for an encore for Carbomb. Crowd went absolutely ragged. Yeah, we should say it was a massive crowd. I mean, another band that could have been on a bigger stage, they probably could have done the main stage. Yeah. And pulled a, a very big crowd. So. It was very, very awesome to see that. Yeah. So, yeah, Carbomb were awesome. Yep. Uh, in fact, that kind of started a run of bands for me that really ended the weekend on yeah, an yeah. outrageous high yeah um, because after that we just sort of we at this point we were basically over one end of the site yeah. we kind of left the yokai and the px3 stage behind and just kind of step, stayed on the arc and bixler stages yeah. uh, over on the arc stage cult of luna yeah i mean now this is going to seem like almost like sacrilege to be honest but I'm not I wasn't massively familiar with Cult of Luna going into our tangent Um, I'm glad to know you weren't as familiar either because you know I definitely I went into this set with more of a sense of curiosity than excitement because I mean they were sub-headlining the arc stage on before Meshuggah people were stoked for them yeah and I really just genuinely didn't know what to expect yeah so I certainly didn't expect what was arguably for me the set of the weekend. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, they was... were astonishingly brilliant. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you may disagree. I don't know how much our words are going to kind of do justice yeah. to it. I mean, so much of it was being swept up, you know, in the moment, mm. the sort of soundscapes that were kind of beautiful and serene at points and really fucking heavy at other points yeah um this incredible light show that just kind of bolstered that atmosphere yeah i mean as a production it was i mean so this may sound stupid right but i have something written down here um and you may think i'm an absolute tit for saying it that would be weird imagine if i thought (laughs) Cult of Luna, to me, after seeing that set, are like the Rammstein of post-metal. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so we saw a fair few post-metal bands this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of the staples of Arc Tangent. We saw Russian Circles, and we saw Bosque, and we saw Pine. Yeah. Uh, I missed LNNN, which was... Mm, um, I th- did I just say L-N-N-N is what I meant to say um, it felt above all of those other bands like this was a show Yeah. you know I'm not saying like they had they weren't trying to fucking slow cook their keyboardist or yeah, there was no big spunking cog <laughs> there was definitely a, a, not a lack of big spunking cogs you know that would have felt weird big yeah, they 17 minute yeah. post metal epic spunking cogs go on chuck a cock on it <laughs> um, but at the same time it felt so compelling to watch yeah oh yeah absolutely each member of the band there's seven members on stage and they yeah. have didn't realize until i actually set foot into the tent that they had two drummers yeah going back to this thing earlier what we were saying there was kind of one drummer doing the main the main rhythms and um, and beats and and one kind of drummer doing little accents here and there yeah, and yeah. then they come in for the crescendo of the song and they both be locked in and doing the same thing no easy feat but they just sounded mighty doing it uh, but you know you had seven members on stage and I didn't know who to watch no 
it did feel kind of like understated what they were doing but you know really really effective yeah especially the keyboardist you know uh, and the way he kind of moved around uh, just kind of his setup yeah but it felt like each member had their own personality on stage absolutely yeah um and like you were saying about the killer lighting setup as well there's a song they played which have since gone back the song's called Finland Mm -hmm. it's from their album which came out in 2006 the name of which escapes me at the moment but there's little sort of wibbles of synth Mm -hmm. in between uh, like you know sort of uh, coming in and out during uh, certain uh, parts of the song I suppose you could say where the lights acted accordingly and kind of strobed that was awesome to see it all coordinated and for the lights to act accordingly with the music um this set just left me in a trance-like state. Yeah, I think we were both pretty slack-jawed, and yeah. by the end of it, you know, we were. It was really, really impressive um, and entrancing. And this band could come back and headline in two years' time, I think. I know, think so. They've, well, they've got an album coming out in September. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got to review that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I maybe wouldn't have said that before going into this set, but. I am fully on board with Cult of Luna now. Yeah, I have think you... they may have been banned of the weekend and they were absolutely the discovery of the weekend for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you done a lot of listening back to them? I have been listening to quite a lot. Of have, I, I've listened to Vertical. It's yeah. kind of been the album that everyone says is, is the album. I had listened to Mariner before, but a couple of years ago when it kind of came out and everyone was raving about it, it didn't really stick with me, but I think that was just my tastes at the time. Yeah. Now that I'm a fucking die-hard post-metal fan as a result yeah. of going to our ATG um, I might have to go back to it but Vertical is sensational mm-hmm. um, and really cool to see how prominent they are synth-wise yeah um, so, and, and they are going on tour with Brutus and A.A. Williams and we're going right oh we have to we have to yeah uh, yeah they were We'll talk about Bands of the Weekend in a bit, because okay. what we saw afterwards was very, very different, Yeah. but as astonishing, um, and I don't think I would have expected anything less from them, because it's Employed to Serve. Yeah. Um, this is the best Employed to Serve show I have ever seen. They were headlining the Bixler stage, that was one of the biggest clashes of the weekend for me, was seeing Caspian or seeing Employed to Serve, and I can't believe at one point I actually said oh, well, I've seen Employed to Serve so many times now, I might go watch Caspian because I'd never seen them before. Nope, I made the right decision going to see Employed to yeah. Serve. They were unreal. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this, and um, I've seen Employed to Serve a lot over the last few years, possibly more than I've seen any other bands, you know, consistently. Mm. Um, and this was absolutely the best time I've ever seen them. Um, they are growing so much as a band I mean this new material is it just sounds colossal yeah live it's um it's no less abrasive it's no less impressive but it's slightly more kind of accessible I think to I would um, say so. people that want to mosh and I think that is reflected in the go, crowds go back and listen to that review of Eternal Forward Motion that was episode number five I want to yeah, say yeah. of the podcast yeah yeah for, for our for our kind of definitive thoughts on, yeah. on, the, on that um I think Justine has really come into her own mm. as the kind of front person of that band. She's so much more commanding, I think. Um, Sammy was just on fine form, mm. being Sammy, uh, climbing around and crowd surfing. They, they have reached peak Slipknot in terms of yeah. them kind of walking out on stage to those horrible 
grinding industrial noises yeah um, and leaving you just in awe before playing a single fucking note and then they kick into it and the team of Sammy and Justine riling up the crowd that that is the biggest sign of progression for me yeah, yeah. for that band and like we were saying Sammy's climbing all over the crowd he's, he's climbing up the pillars and I thought oh god something horrible is going to happen but <laughs> that felt like a Sid Wilson moment as well yeah um you know, much like Frontier, they're, they're doing all this while keeping their feet firmly plant, planted in hardcore. Yeah. In fact, I didn't pro- quite realise how much of their live sound is rooted in hardcore until I saw yeah. this set. I think it was because I stood right in front of the pit as well yeah. and just seeing how nuts people were going and they were kind of giving it all the sort of... They, they were giving it their all in their... Um, I mean, can you imagine how sweaty it is in those windbreakers? No, yeah, I don't know how they do it sometimes. Ugh, horrible. It'd be like the um, the sweatsuit cocktail from Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I saw Sammy and Justine in the crowds more than anyone over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a huge mark of respect. Like, I'd like to think they were just kind of going round and observing how high the bar was set yeah. over the weekend. They're clearly just fans of all types of music, yeah. but they were clearly also going around and going, right, how can we be the best band of the weekend? Mm-hmm. And they saw how high that bar was set and just pole vaulted over it. Yeah, yeah. I think they were the loudest band I saw all weekend. Yeah, yeah. We are seriously looking at future headliners a lot, Tangent, when I look at Employed to Serve. Mm. Not for a, maybe a few years yet. I think so. I want to see Employed to Surf become the biggest heavy band in Britain. And what we were saying about them reaching peak Slipknot earlier, I think they could really benefit from a from a a big old opening slot. Yeah. So if you're listening, Corey Taylor, he's not listening. Uh, Do not think. If we're listening, if one of Corey Taylor's friends is listening and wants to give him a copy of Eternal Forward Motion, yeah, and tell him how good they are live, and tell him what a sort what a bunch of top shaggers they are. Um, then uh, then do that do that yeah, yeah. Um, we then okay so our weekend kind of ended with us essentially we'd had enough at that point hadn't yeah. we it was a fantastic weekend at Arc Tangent I would say yeah. um, I, I had an absolute blast um, I'm, I'd love to go back next year but it did just get to the point on Saturday where we decided I wasn't going to drink on that day um, and we would just drive back the couple of hours it takes to drive home. Yeah. Um, sort of midway through Meshuggah's set. Yeah. Now, we watched about three songs of Meshuggah's set, I would so. say. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on them? Because I, I don't really. Um, you don't? I mean, I just thought, you know, I think it looked to be an incredible headline set. I thought, you know, I thought their production was amazing, their light show was insane. It felt like they doubled the size of the stage just it for, that for way, sugar. It? Yeah, it looked that way. It was really full on. It sounded kind of thunderously loud. I just think I really, you know, I enjoyed what I saw. I'm not a fan of that kind of gent metal sound at it, all. Really. It left me feeling a little bit cold, to be honest. We were oh, stood really? outside the tent. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I get it. It's a really well-oiled machine. And there is there are things that that band do that are just beyond human ability at times Um, I felt like I maybe could have like I I, I just I didn't feel ready for it I don't think definitely again I think more of a me problem at that point my back was killing me I was just not enjoying it yeah I I think we were both um, 
very ready to go when we were yeah. uh, on our last legs. But um, I really enjoyed what I saw. I just, you know, you can tell they are the godfathers of that, and they are, as you say, such a well-oiled machine, and it's just a pleasure to watch them just bludgeon the uh, the crowds. Yeah, with that with that heavy sound. That's all I have to say about and, that. And leave Renfrey to pick up the pieces during his silent <laughs> disco set. Again, Renfrey, we're sorry we missed your silent disco, mate, but we we were too busy getting fucking lost in the middle of Somerset, weren't we? That <laughs> I think was, Renfrey was the unofficial headliner, the kind of yeah, I think actual he, headliner. He actually of the said that, didn't he? The unofficial headliner. Well, he is the wizard. Yeah. He is the, the wizard of Arc Tangent. <laughs> wizard of it. <laughs> he is, yeah. Um, so um, I nearly called him the Grand Wizard, but that's something very different indeed, isn't it? <laughs> They're sort of almost clan territories, and yeah. we are absolutely positive that Renfrey Debman of Right Act is not a racist. Um, anyway, that was Arc Tangent. Um, who was your band of the weekend? Uh, this is a tough question you're asking me now. I know it's your job to ask the hard questions. Um, I think it's Cult of Luna. It's the one I've thought about the most since. I've not stopped thinking about that. It's sir. the one that stayed with me the most. So I'm going to say them. I um, would say honourable mentions. I really love that Kirsty's Metal Handset. Yeah. Frontier and Black Peaks on the on the Friday were incredible. Yeah. Um, Leonardo as well, uh, yes. and and Daughters and and Pine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, I think bands of the bands of the weekend. It, for me, it goes between Cult of Luna and Employed to Serve. Yeah. Um, final question before we we wrap this up: Who would you like to see headline Arc Tangent in 2020? <sighs> Definitely Mogwai, I think, would be cool. Do you think... Would they headline? I think they would, but I've yeah. heard things about them not necessarily liking being associated with the, the Arctangent scene. Wow, I did not know that. Uh, that that's, uh, that's purely sort of hearsay that I've heard, and yeah. I'm maybe distorting that a little bit. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, Mogwai <laughs> would be good, wouldn't yeah. they? <laughs> um... I think Neurosis would be really cool. I had Neurosis as I well. I have in my head uh, Neurosis with Death Heaven underneath them on the main stage, I think would be... I, th- I think that would be very nice. I'd like to see Neurosis maybe with Eamon Ra under yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of that whole... I know um, uh, Scott from uh, Neurosis is a big advocate of Eamon Ra and has yeah. worked with them. And I don't think they've played Dark Tangent before, no, but they would they go have. down an absolute storm. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we could quite easily see Code Orange come into headline arc tangent and again they would prove very very divisive they'd almost be like the Meshuggah of this year yeah I think so but they really ushered in you know bands like Frontier and even Employed to Serve Mm. I think ATG is moving towards that that sort of inventive hardcore thing and as far as heavy bands go there you couldn't really get much more no. inventive than uh, code orange yeah um in every sense of the word can you imagine the visuals that they'll bring to that yeah being insane. uh th- and then i think you might need to balance it out with maybe like a more sort of post-rocky thing so i'm thinking we could see maybe this will destroy you or godspeed yeah. again yeah maybe even american football again because they've been on a, on a bit of a tear at the moment yeah that would be cool um high long <laughs> you, yeah. you, you laugh but you're filled with dread right yeah, now the idea just, of high yeah. long headlining yeah. ATG couldn't yeah. you <laughs> nah just let them open the PX3 stage on the Thursday <laughs> that'd be enough space for them wouldn't it um, Gojira yeah Gojira would be incredible I wonder if they are 
maybe getting slightly too big? Have they maybe missed the window there? I don't know. It's Possibly. a growing festival, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's only growing and growing. And yeah. yeah, it was wonderful to be there. So thank you very much to the um, to the well, the organisers of Art Tangent and yeah. everyone working backstage <laughs> that could let us come along this year. And uh, like I said, we are doing a uh, an Art Tangent special of backstage chats. It was originally meant to be a two part special, but fuck you, Brady Deep Pros, for not turning uh, turning <laughs> up to your interview. We're just going to do one special, five chats. Uh, with five artists, um, a lot of one which we've spoken about over the weekend. Should yeah. I tell them now who's going to be on? Yeah, I guess so. So uh, we are going to have uh, Cult Dreams on. Uh, Lucinda's back for a second time on the podcast and, and bringing Connor with her this time as well, uh, which is awesome. Ithaca um, are also going to be a part of that. We chatted to Carbon, uh, who are lovely, lovely, lovely people, uh, just before they absolutely <coughs> crushed it at ATG. And two bands which we haven't spoken about because I unfortunately missed their sets. Uh, Wildcat Strike, a band that we're both very keen on, aren't we? And um, Polyphia as well. Uh, had a lovely chat with them. So you're going to hear all five of those bands uh, hanging out. We're going to play a little game with them as well um, on an upcoming special. I think that'll probably be coming out in the next... Probably in the same week as this, to be honest. Mm. You probably hear that in the next few days. I don't know. I'm a busy man. Um, but that will uh, that will be up on all the major podcast streaming platforms very, very soon. So wherever you're listening to Bitch and Brew, keep an ear out for that. Um, thank you very much if you have, uh, if you're a first-time listener, off the back of maybe picking up one of our flyers on the merch stand, or just hearing about Bitch and Brew through word of mouth and. Um, you know, we hope to see you stick around because yeah. we've got some we've got some big things in the pipeline, haven't yeah, we? we? Have, yeah. um, we've got another episode of the Bitch and Review coming soon. Mm-hmm. I say that we haven't recorded it yet, <laughs> but we are going to be chatting about some of the biggest albums of this year, including yeah. Slipknot and Cult Dreams and Kirstie's Metal Hands and Gender Roles, and we're going to be talking about the Not Loose album, I think, as well, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Um, a couple of others as well. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, make sure you keep an ear out for that. Best way to stay in touch with Bitch and Brew is to go and like us on all of the uh, on all of those those their social media yeah, platforms. Yeah. You know the uh, ones. Join the Bitching Crew Facebook group. Yeah, um, uh, where we have lots of lovely little chats about yeah. uh, you know the sort of the community that surrounds the Bitch and Brew podcast. It's an awesome community, I yeah, must say. It is. And yeah, if you're feeling super generous, then maybe uh, go and give us a review on uh, the Apple Podcast platform because that sort of shit like a five star review or at least a very positive review really helps independent yeah. podcasts like Bitch and Brew out so um, so yeah do that if you if, if you please <laughs> um, Brad I feel like I should let you get some vocal rest now yeah uh, lots of lemon and hot water yeah and, maybe and ice cream I think ooh I've got some ice cream in the fridge at home <laughs> I've got some strawberry cheesecake haagen that's that's screaming out to me right now the listeners obviously couldn't see your face just then but that was pure when I said ice cream your face just did I go desire. did that I go was... into wild garlic mode yeah well, yeah, wild garlic mode yeah <laughs> you felt the table raise slightly uh, even only though slightly it, it's, it's actually nailed to the ground but <laughs> I still rager for ice cream <laughs> <laughs> um, that got weird, didn't it? It got, yeah, it shall tends say, to with us, doesn't it? Shall we say goodbye to the boys and girls? Yeah, goodbye, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you next time, hopefully with my real vo- normal voice back. Yeah, nice I, d- I don't know who I've been chatting to for the last two hours, but it's not Brad, that's no, for sure. It's husky. You've changed, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you very much. This has been the Bitchin' Review and our special uh, special extravaganza uh, of Arc Tangent. What the fuck am I on about? Thank you very much Arc-tangent-ganza. for listening. Arc Tangent. Arc Tangent. 
high five. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, and don't forget to be loud, be kind, be bitching. Please.